Hey guys, Prince here, also known as Head Knight. The episode you're about to listen to has depictions of heinous acts of violence that are sometimes gone into grave detail. If this gives you discomfort, please do not listen to this episode. Your mental health is a lot more important than our listenership. Thank you so much for supporting us this far, and I hope you stay safe during these times. Now, I give you Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and none of my spoopy boys are here except for my guy because he had to make it for me. Khalif Adams over at Spawn on Me once again. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, brother man? How are you doing? Yo, fam, fam, when you hit me up and was like, yo, we're going to we're going to talk about the particular movie that we're going to talk about during this episode. 100%. And you were like, yo, can you rewatch this joint for me? I was like, <laughs> okay. Cuz so so like a little bit behind the scenes, I actually fell asleep the first time cuz I watched it oh, really wow. late. Sure, I watched sure, it really sure. late. It wasn't it wasn't anything because it was like boring or anything. Right. It was definitely because I was like uber tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I watched this thing in the middle of the day, <laughs> early in the day. When other people are like running around outside, hanging out with their kids, I'm hearing yeah. children outside laughing while I'm watching <laughs> the most depraved movie you could probably watch during your actual day. So I am very, very excited to talk about this. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. Now, it's it's crazy because my boys, they uh, one of them backed out of the movie. Uh, he said it's okay to name him. Uh, my boy, David, uh, uh, that is uh, Knightley. He backed out of the movie. He was just like, yo, he was 38 minutes in. He was like, I can't, I can't fucking do this. And that's when we were just like, okay, all right, you know, take a breather, do what you need to do. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Right. So he was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So the fact that he had to skip out kind of gives a, a little hint on what this movie is about to be about. Is, is what it what this movie is initially <laughs> uh, but let me finish up this intro really quick and then we'll go ahead and jump straight up into it we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror this is a podcast that takes a different horror film to, to break down and discuss the ultimate question why horror so hit the lights sit back and let the darkness envelope you you can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnight life and that's night with a k by pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Woo! Now, our feature film that we are talking about tonight. John Eric Dowley, The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Holy shit thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh man. Okay. So... Like, uh, it was interesting that before, before we even started recording this, there was randomly, and it was like a blessing from above. I, I give Raiden a shout out for this one. Yeah. It was somebody posted on Twitter and they were like, yo, what is your favorite horror genre? And what is your least favorite horror genre? Oh yeah. It, uh, I just did that. I think, uh, you, I think, uh, the, uh, Gayfully dreadful, I think is is their is their name something. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And and then I I definitely jumped in and chimed in with that, and it totally lined up with the Poughkeepsie tapes um, <laughs> being in this space because I'm a big gore porn uh, fan and, yeah. and uh, found footage 
uh, fan. So this yeah. knocks out all those things at once. It's perfect. And I am, let me, like, I know everyone has this, like, very high regard for the Blair Witch Project, which, again, yeah. I do, too. I think it was a fantastic movie. In hindsight, it is. it doesn't even sniff the ass of <laughs> the Poughkeepsie tapes in terms of how fantastic it is. Yeah. And how it uses not only the found footage format, but also intersperses it with really interesting and well-acted uh, scenes, which I think seriously is it, 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 it melds like a whole bunch of different genres together where it's a little bit campy. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's, it's definitely taking itself so seriously. Right. It also has that documentary vibe. Um, yeah. Like a well is, which, done documentary. Yeah. Like a well done documentary. Like it really takes you a minute to be like, all right, is this like kind of messing with me or is this an actual documentary for a real thing that happened? Right. And, and that to me is the, the, like, the 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 crux of why the Poughkeepsie tapes is so damn good, one hundred percent, and terrible at the same time, one hundred percent. But like, I'll I'll leave it at that for now. I'll let you I'll let you run with the rest of the yeah the rest no, of it. But no, my that, God, this this movie is it's it's crazy because I was trying to I I got fifteen minutes into this movie and I remember the first time I watched this movie. The first mm-hmm. time I watched this movie was in college. It was two thousand and I want to say like maybe ten, and when I watched this in college, it was a dare. That was something that the, my, that my roommates loved to do. They were just like, "Okay, I dare you to watch this movie. I dare you to watch this movie." I'm like, "Bro, I, I I eat this shit for breakfast." So right. when they had me watch the Poughkeepsie tapes, and it was crazy because it was, it was super under wraps. This movie definitely, um, definitely didn't really, I guess hit the scene as much like this was an underground underground movie Mm -hmm. um and this was before distribution right so like this is before you saw the mgm uh pop up in the beginning of the movie like this Uh nothing popped up it would Mm -hmm. just start it and when i watched it i was like holy shit like this movie's crazy and that was the last time i watched it Mm. and they didn't watch it with me, by the way. I watched it completely alone, <laughs> and none of them have seen it. And I, don't, I still think none of them have seen it. Really? But yeah, I still think they haven't. Um, but I remember I was telling telling my my, uh, my boys with the podcast, uh, David and and Freddie. Uh, it was like fifteen minutes in, and then we got the first like little girl who was kidnapped slash beat up, beat upside the head. Yeah. And I told them I was like, "Yo." I'm going to be honest with you guys. I forgot how intense this movie is. Mm-hmm. So fair warning. Like, and I even told them if you guys, w- if someone wants to back out, you can, they both backed out, but if someone wants to back out, <laughs> you can. And, but I need one of you guys. Uh, Freddie technically didn't back out. He watched the whole movie. So I'm, I'm not going to put him under the bus, but he watched the whole movie. He just got sick. Um, honestly, that's what he says. But, <laughs> but, I was just like, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, if you do want to back out, it's completely fine and understandable. Mm. I get it, but I need one of you guys. Like, one of you guys needs to take this whole movie in and take it take, in. Take that bullet. Take <laughs> that know? bullet for the show. Because it is way too late for us to change change movies <laughs> right now. Because <laughs> we ended up changing. Because we had the Blair Witch Project on this list first. Okay. And um, I 
thought the Blair Witch Project would have been great to have on this list because this, this whole month we're doing found footage month. Oh, shit. Speaking of, by the way, everybody, this is the end of I Found You month. Uh, this is our found footage month that we did. We we started off with Wreck, Naroi, the, the Curse, the, uh, the Japanese paranormal film, and then we had, we had the taking of Deborah Logan right before this episode, um, and now we're concluding with the Pokepsi tapes. Um, and the next month that we have up, I will say at the very end of this, so keep keep tight guys keep tight thank you for bearing with that but um we traded out the Blair Witch Project for the taking of Deborah Logan and mm. um the taking of Deborah Logan is another fantastic super fun found footage movie that's extra campy but it's a lot of fun and it's so it's so ridiculous on all the movies that we've seen and I thought I was conditioning them enough to get to this point of the Poughkeepsie tapes because I was even telling them it was like everything we watched from the house of the devil to the conjuring to uh uh shit I don't even know what else we fucking watch uh, the Babadook uh <laughs> Jacob's Ladder fucking Daniel isn't real all this whole other stuff like I, I was it was prepping them up for the Poughkeepsie tapes and um oh man I guess I guess it wasn't enough <laughs> Because uh, one of the, the, I mean, David had to back out. He had to, he had to leave out of it. But this movie, I can't front. I can't front. It, it, I don't think anybody. This movie really strikes a chord. Ready? I don't no. think. I, I mean, the 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 levels of fucked up that this movie goes into. Oh, it, it's, you, it you have to have it. trained. You have to have trained for this. Like you can't. 100%. You can't walk in. Like you had to. You have to have already have like the major bulletproof armor it's like it's like if you were in call, call of duty warfare and you only get three plates you need like yeah. six plates you need you need six you need six <laughs> plates for this movie no doubt no doubt so i understand why it's why people tapped out if they had to tap out 100 percent. and and this is this is a rough one it, it, it is a rough ride and this movie does dive in really deep on um a lot of things, you know, and, and I know people who love this movie, like, and shouts out to my homies over in Ontario, Canada, uh, over at, um, Nightmare on Film Street, both Kim and John, like you guys, uh, were cracking me the fuck up a few nights ago when I told them, I, I literally hit them up on Twitter, it was just like, how bad was it to show kind of horror newbies, uh, the Poughkeepsie tapes and they're like, oh yeah, they're <laughs> never going to be your friend again. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like they are never going to take a recommendation from you ever yep. again. And that's initially how this movie is. And it's, it's so mind boggling that someone made this movie. And for those, so for those of you who don't know, uh, John Eric um, Dowdle, he uh, created the remake the American version of Wreck. And um, he created Quarantine. So mm -hmm. if you guys kind of see a sense there where it's just like, okay, like we could kind of see like a little bit of, of that stylistic this kind of coming out of it and things like that. And I always, and I will forever defend this, but the only thing wrong with, truly wrong with Quarantine was one, that it was a remake. And two, the fact that the poster gave away the ending. But that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, Quarantine's a pretty solid found footage movie. for To me, at least, it is. Um, but let's go ahead and just jump into the plot of this because this I, I, I can't even wait anymore. This movie oh is my God. absolutely bananas. Birdman Hands GIF. Birdman <laughs> Hands GIF is real right now. Let's get it. <laughs> let's get it. 
The Poughkeepsie Tapes, directed by John Eric Dowdle, released in May 2007. We don't even have an official date because this movie technically was not released in theaters. This movie was only released at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2007. They tried and tried and tried to get film rights uh, to have this movie distributed, and they tried, and it took them 10 whole years. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This movie technically was not available to the public for 10 years. For those of you who don't like math, that is 2017. (laughs) (laughs) A runtime of one hour and 20 minutes. Uh, I couldn't find a budget for this. This movie is kind of uh, under the wraps. It's a mumble gore film, so, I mean, you get what you get. A score of 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I've read some of these these these, uh, these initial addresses, and it does make sense. A lot of people would bash certain pieces of the way it was filmed and things like that. But then you have the other side where it's just like, how can something like this be made? This is so vile, shocking, and disgusting. What uh, initially what that Ted Bundy movie should have been, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, and it, it's actually crazy because we get we get a, a, a fake Ted Bundy cameo in this movie, which is even more fascinating. Mm-hmm. But we open with a funeral service jumping between a home video of a little girl by the name of Cheryl Dempsey. And she's not that little. She's more like a teenage kid. A woman puts a flower on the dead person's casket and we get another glimpse of Cheryl as a happy child. We cut to this man, Felton, discussing the strange case of Cheryl. He announces that this is the most disturbing case he's come across in his 25 years of research. I feel like they always say shit like that, where it's just like, oh, 25 years, this is the craziest thing I've seen. It's like, motherfucker, you're an FBI agent. You got You have to have seen some crazy shit. Come on. It's, it, it, def- it definitely breaks the whole, like, thousand-yard stare. It does. Though, which, it definitely which is does. Dope, which is dope as, like, a setup, for sure. I agree, 100%. We cut to a night vision scene in a cemetery. Someone drops the camera on the ground and gets in the car. They start driving slowly with a rope attached at the other end of it, and it's pulling something from underground. It continues pulling, then a body slides right out of the grave. And I even put here, you can already see what what kind of movie we're getting ourselves into. (laughs) Then the title sequence, the Poughkeepsie tapes. Over Poughkeepsie, New York. Part one, the tapes. We cut to a landlord by the name of Alice talking about her tenant that was a nightmare to work with. And this is where they found the Poughkeepsie tapes in this home. Next up, we get FBI agent Leonard Shway. He starts talking about the tapes and how disturbing they were. Then Simon Alray, FBI um, AV specialist, tells the crew that his job was to watch and log all 24 hours of the tapes. What a fucking job that is. Now, I remember Man. last time we had you on this show, you said that you would do a job similar to this. Is, is that still the case? Yeah, I would do it. <laughs> yeah, I would do it. it. It's funny because they were talking about these tapes and I was like, I want to watch these tapes. <laughs> I'm a sick human being. I have problems. And it was a lot of tapes, everybody. Yo, it was, it a, was, uh, it was a, a fucking like hallway of tapes. <laughs> I have a mini story that goes along with it that is totally a non sequitur to the Poughkeepsie <laughs> tapes, but it totally is the same idea. And uh-huh. re- I'll do the really quick TLDR version of it is, yeah, my grandma watched the entire OJ Simpson trial oh from start God. to finish and recorded the entire oh. 
OJ Simpson trial on VHS uh, VHS tapes, and it probably would have looked just like the Poughkeepsie tapes in his room. <laughs> That's all That's I'm going to say. Probably very, very true. Yes. Oh my God! I even, I also actually have a, a quick fun fun story about uh, about that. Uh, my my mom actually was babysat by OJ Simpson. Oh shit! What? Yep. <laughs> oh wow! She used to be babysat by OJ Simpson because um, his mom didn't. Re- they didn't live that far from us. He went to Balboa High School in San Francisco, mm. and uh, which was the same high school my grandma went to. And um, he didn't live that far from us. And initially, I mean, I'd never met him, but like she would just always be around at his house and shit. Man, Orenthal James. (laughs) (laughs) The Joes. The Joes. (laughs) He mentions that he could uh, get about an hour of sleep a night and that he still has nightmares about the tapes. FBI profiler Felton Lewis starts talking about the killer being turned on um, by the films that he uh, that he used uh, them as as sort of a memento, which kind of makes sense. Simon mm-hmm. tells them uh, tells him that he took some of the tapes home and his wife watched one of the tapes. She was so disgusted that she wouldn't even let him touch her for over a year. Which, come on, bro. That's your job. I she, mean, can't, she can't. I mean, she can. Hey, but. <laughs> I, hey my, my, my wife is my wife in a former life was a social worker. Ooh. And she walked in Bless her soul. on me yeah. Oh no! Think, she walked, she think, walked in on you. Oh, she walked in on it, and the look that oh, I got today—pure disgust. She reverted directly back to her social work days, oh. and I definitely did get a look today. Oh man! <laughs> oh no! Oh, she was. About she to knows call, me by now. She was about she to call CPS on you. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Back with Alice showing us where they found the tapes and the door leading to the basement. She assumes they understand what was done down there based off of all the stories that were told. Pam Fears, a field agent, tells them that they found the body of two women in a portion of the yard. A deep hole where a couple and their baby laid, a man in another area, then four women, uh, four more women in other portions of the yard. Which, fucking wild. Holy Mm -hmm. shit, this guy. Mm -hmm. Damn, dude, he, he was ruthless. Like he was thorough. De- yeah, for sure. <laughs> this definitely reminds me of. Um, you remember the movie Maniac? Yes. Yeah, the, the Tom Savini uh, mm-hmm. flick. Well, even though I guess Tom Savini didn't make it, but he he did like the special. He did the shit. practicals on it. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm pretty sure because uh, we're recording this on um, May 1st, which is a Friday, everybody. Which uh, at right now, Joe Bo Briggs is. Sh- fucking doing his last night at the drive-in and he has tom savini on his show so typically when he has a guest he initially shows that movie that they either worked on or were a part of um i'm pretty sure they're showing maniac but i i haven't checked twitter to find out but i'm pretty Mm. sure that's what's going on right now but anyway Pam continues by telling them that it was obvious that they all have been killed in horrific manners um and they're starting off kind of tame of 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 how these I guess murders happen. Um, and then they start going in way more in depth and deeper and deeper and deeper in how these murders happen. There are a few things that uh, for the sake of this podcast, I, I am skipping. Um, but fair warning, everybody, some of this stuff does get a little horrific. Um, 
We uh, see stills of bodies in bags with evidence, evident markers all around. We cut to Simon showing the whole set of the tapes. And holy shit, like I said, <laughs> the tapes take up literally half of a hallway. It's insane. And I uh, even put here, more than half of the tapes were about Cheryl Dempsey. Back with Leonard talking about the serial killers and how many uh, and how many that are still active till this day. Simon tells them that there are hours of these tapes that nobody has watched except for him. He goes on to tell the crew that there were there are hundreds of hours of balloon stuff on the tapes. Then we cut to a woman crawling in frame on a home video blowing up a balloon. She asks an unseen assailant if she is doing the acts right. The, uh, then she sits on the balloon and you hear him yell at her to pop the balloon. She starts to jump up and down um, on the balloon and trying her hardest to do what she was told to do. Part two. First blood. Mm. <laughs> can we can oh. we can we hold on for one second yes, on that part? Yes, we can. Yes, we because can. Because I feel like the so you already know from this point you have a mass murderer, you have a maniac on the loose. Yep. But you don't really get any semblances of motivation or personality or right. any of that stuff yet. Right. And I remember the first time I heard him yell at her. And yeah. it shook me because I was like, ooh, this is a power play. Yep. And and the power play has nothing to do with what you would think a quote unquote crazy person would do. Seriously. You know what I mean? It's not like the whole like, well, I'm just going to kill people because I have a, I get a thrill out of killing people. This is like I am psychologically going to fuck with people. Right. And that and changes the timber of the of the movie really early. Very, very true. And I'm glad you actually brought that up because you can tell that this person is specifically out for power. Like he loves to feel masculine, I guess. And and not to say like this is how masculinity works. No, mm. um, but like this is this is his form of of showing that power, which is probably why most of his victims were women mm-hmm. um, and. Granted, he did have men too, because like he he gave no fucks. Like this is why I said it reminded me of Maniac, because he would kill couples, and it was just like, well, all right, like I mean, you were just there, but his real thing, he wanted her. He he just mm-hmm. you were just in the way, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. And this also reminds me of the uh, that serial killer, um, Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas, he he, he like his stories were fucking terrifying and he he announced that he he killed over 400 people and shit and um none of not all of them were proven but i was actually talking to uh lucy james a few weeks a few weeks ago about um about serial killers and, and true crime in general and holy shit is lucy james fucking phenomenal with her knowledge by the way hmm. like jesus christ but um when i was talking to lucy about it i was just like I was like, yeah, we were talking about Henry Lee Lucas and, and so on and so forth. And, and like she was even like going over some of the things that he uh, initially claimed to do that I had no idea about. And this killer initially reminds me of that, just a recorded version. 
It's, mm. it's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. But we cut to a retired FBI profiler by the name of Mike Mokes uh, teaching a group of students about the terrible things that they will witness in their career if they choose this profession. He tells that uh, he tells them that it is all right if they do not wish to be in this profession after they watch this. <laughs> Much damn. like you and your your podcast <laughs> yeah. friends, you're cool. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> full circle, baby. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> then we go, cut back to Felton explaining that uh, explaining what could have potentially happened to make this killer snap. He believes that he got into a fight with his wife and then went into his car and thought that the next vulnerable the next vulnerable person uh, they see is dead. Um, and I even put here, interesting that, uh, that that's all it takes, but sometimes that's all it takes. Like, it, it's crazy because it's, it's like for, for us, I, I don't, I don't even want to use the terminology normal, but like for, for us people who don't have like a crazy amount of mental illnesses or something like that. Cause I, I personally believe everybody has a mental illness, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with that. Like it, it, it just for that to make this person snap, where it's just like an argument with his wife, or maybe he got caught doing something that he shouldn't have been doing initially. Kind of like um, uh, the BTK, um, right, where right, right. His wife caught him trying to, I guess, masturbate while asphyxiating himself, and all of these things initially go into this spectrum of holy shit, this is all it sometimes takes in order for someone to officially go off of the deep end. And obviously I do think it's a little deeper than that. Like I do think like you, you've done some shit as a child and, and maybe you've tried to forget about it or, or whatever, or maybe you just continued mm. doing it. Um, <clears throat> but there's a great, uh, a great scene in, in this movie that uh, we'll get to that kind of explains my point a little bit more. But uh, we cut to the killer's recording of him driving in his car, looking at a house. He puts the camera down. He puts the camera down to park the car, then points the camera at this little girl that's playing in the yard. He gets out of his car and walks across the street towards the little girl in the yard. Breathing heavily, he tells the girl hi and that he likes her doll. He repeats himself and then asks for the doll's name. She tells him that it is Susie and that she shouldn't. That she's not supposed to talk to strangers. He scoffs and tells her that she is supposed she is not supposed to have a bad manners either. And fuck. <laughs> fuck, man. It's just like, oh. And this is the point where I had to tell my guys where I was just like, yo, I forgot how intense this movie is. So fair warning. <laughs> um, then he asks if she would like to say something to the camera. She asks about what she should say. And he gives her a very, a really uncomfortable request on what she could say. She tells him no, and he invites her to come look through the camera instead. She tells him no again, but he hands her the camera and then bashes her over the head. Mm-hmm. Um, then he runs over, he grabs her, runs her into the back of his car, and drives off with the little girl. Yo. Wow. Yo. Wow. It's interesting because you know what's coming. Yeah. But you've been trained over the years that no, no, you don't hurt children in movies. Like, kids don't get hurt. 
Right. Like don't like kids don't get hurt in the movies, and especially if you play video games, it's like kids just kids don't get hurt in the video right. games. Blah, blah, blah. And then you just hear the thunk. Yes. It's like <laughs> Yeah. And she it, gets the business and then and he runs away. Bro, it's crazy. It is and like the thing about this particular scene that makes this scene so fucking wild is the fact that when he does this, you're you, you're trying to kind of have that moment of like, wait a second, whoa, 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 whoa. did he just mm-hmm. do what I think he just did? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. try to get this moment of suspension of disbelief with it, right? And which I, I find to be pretty important in especially in found footage movies, because the suspension of disbelief, sometimes it's just not there. But yeah, yep. this movie does such a good job on making you feel like you're watching something that you should not be watching. Mm-hmm. That And that's a huge thing for me, too. It's just like, yeah, I like horror breaks for me often. Yeah, because it's less like. I would like you always try to you're always trying to put the beauty of horror is you're always trying to put yourself in the situation of the people you see on screen. Right. You're always trying to figure out, like, what would I do in this situation? 100 percent. And the beauty of it is that the way the camera angles are shot. Yeah. It's that really low. Like, it feels like you're looking through that person's eyes and not through a camera. 100 percent. Which adds this other layer of like, I am in this killer's brain. Yeah. And hearing the disembodied body, the dis- I'm hearing the voice of me looking at this thing that's going to happen to this kid. Oh. And then you just hear the sound and then him run. Jeez. And it's like, yo, he just yeah. murdered this kid who was chilling in front of his in our yard. Like, it's wild. And, and like, this, it was at nothing. This po- at this point in time, it made me think like, okay, what year are we in? Because yeah. like, like. I feel like kids don't really do that anymore, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, and and if they do, like, like I, I would like to, I would like to think <laughs> that parents are are, uh, and this isn't to give a knock on this parent. Like, I wouldn't say this parent was irresponsible, yeah. but um, because like you are, you were in Poughkeepsie or Philadelphia or wherever the fuck, somewhere in the east, right? Mm-hmm. And you are during this time where. I wouldn't necessarily say it's fairly safe, but you're in a good neighborhood or Mm -hmm. whatever. And that's, that's where you let your guard down a little bit. And it's crazy because even when like people, when you hear stories of serial killers prowling on sex workers or, Mm -hmm. um, or people of color, women of color or things like that. And, and you kind of brush it off where, I mean, we don't obviously because we're both women of color, but um, it's sort of brushed off where it's just like, oh, well, I'm not black, therefore I'm fine. Or, oh, I'm not a sex worker, therefore I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to worry about, but it's just, we'll get to a scene later on what yeah. makes what I said heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. And, and really quick before you, before you pivot. Yeah. The the other part of that scene that actually that that talks directly to what you just spoke about that I found mm-hmm. really interesting was you have the you have the specter always of the child molester, the that person. Right. Right. It's always the the trope about the like, hey, kid, come into the back of my van. Yeah. I have candy conversation. Right. 
Absolutely. The, the boldness of the killer was that he went to the kid. Yeah. Who was in front of their house. Yep. And yoked that kid up and basically, you know, hurt that child in front yeah. of their own home and then drug that child into his car to take them and to, and to kill them. Like Jeez. that boldness is a thing that definitely is a through line throughout the rest of the movie. So 100%, 100%. So keep that in mind, folks, this motherfucker is bold. <laughs> we <laughs> cut to a police officer by the name of Walter Kunkler. Um, I even put here, I was like, I love how this motherfucker's just having like an interview while he's barbecuing and shit. Just like <laughs> talking about these heinous ass crimes. So he's like barbecuing so and true. shit for his family. So I was true. like, damn, come back a different day. Fuck, is this a bad time? <laughs> shit. <laughs> he goes on to tell us that the little girl was potentially hit on the head with a blunt object. The little girl by the name of Jennifer Gorman was considered missing. They found her body in Putnam County dead we cut uh we get one last image of the happy little girl before cutting to a 911 recording of jennifer's mom she tells him that her daughter was taken out of their yard and that there's blood on the ground and she thinks something bad happened to her the dispatcher tells her that they have to wait 24 hours for a missing persons report but mrs gorman is a fucking g and insists that something terrible happened to her daughter and they need to do something now Mm -hmm. She was not letting up. I was nope. like, yo, you got a little bit of black in you. I see you. <laughs> we cut to the parents, Cynthia and Joel. <laughs> Joel tells the crew that they, uh, that, um, that this is something that you can never get over. Cynthia goes on to talk about this killer raping a little girl and begins to hysterically cry for her daughter and the torment that she has, uh, that she was potentially put through. Back with Mike, turning off the TV, telling his students that this is nothing compared of what they're about to watch. Nuts. <laughs> Fuck. Nuts. Part three, getting better. Cut to uh, cut to more footage from the killer going up to a couple asking them for their assistance with their with this car he asks them for a lift over the, to the next town they allow him to get into the back of their car and ask them and then he asks them permission to film and the woman allows him to do so she even cracks a little joke to her husband about oh we're gonna be movie stars okay <laughs> they introduce themselves the killer him uh the killer calls himself ed which i'm gonna be kind of Jumping back and forth to, from Ed to uh, WSB and so on and so forth. So just bear with that, guys. Uh, and the couple, Frank and Janet. Um, or no, not Janet. Jeanette. Ed tells, Ed tells him to take an exit above and drop, drop him off at a certain gas station. Jeanette starts asking, him if, um, asking Ed um, if he's around there, and he tells her that he is not. Um, she asks, where is he from? And, and he brushes off the question completely and says that the gas station is right around the bend. Continuing to drive, Ed, Ed hits Frank in the head and causes him to crash. Jeanette is screaming, oh my God, over and over until Ed begins to chloroform her until she passes out. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit here. Mm -hmm. He chloroforms her, but he does this in such an interesting way. And they even mention it where it's just like like he's practiced this because he mm -hmm. holds the camera to get her face in the shot while he's chloroforming her. Like he wants to watch her go through the process of succumbing to this chloroform until she passes out. 
And it's wild. And this woman's acting where she's screaming, oh my God, oh my God. Like, you feel that. Oh, yeah. Every it, ounce of that you feel. And it is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Because it's that weird moment where everything is fine until it's not. Yeah. And it's like the what I love about this movie is the way it uses sound. 100%. And it's and it and it's like all those weird foley, you know, things that you're just like, what well, they just threw a watermelon on the ground like, oh, that's the sound of somebody's head getting smashed in. Right. And like him getting hit in the back of the head and then slumping over the wheel and then the car losing control and hitting a tree or whatever it hit. Yeah. Like that it's just like you know, it's like all the weird worst fears that you have if you've ever been in a car by yourself or been in like a lift or you're like, oh, this person could totally just take me where the hell he wants to, where the hell they want to. (laughs) And I have no control over what's going to happen next. So it like absolutely plays into that fear, like perfectly in the way that they did that stuff. It's so, so good. 100%. And honestly, this movie initially, it kind of re- re-sparked my fear i guess with um uh i guess going into lifts and ubers and stuff like that where it's just like yeah motherfuckers need to be careful like <laughs> like it's just like this is like this is anyone can do this well this this there's, there's a part of me that when i was <laughs> this is where this is where my my black radar your, just oh. things <laughs> all the time because i was like hell no like you ain't getting in my goddamn car. Sorry. No, 100% None, not. Half of the no. things that happen in some of these parts of the movie, you're like, I'm just like, this would not happen to most black people. No, 100% <laughs> not. And like, it, it, it was it was one of those things where it happens. And I was even thinking about like what my grandma used to say when shit like this would go down. And we would always be like, because there was this dark road going to our house. She would say mm-hmm. the same shit every time, pretty much to reinforce in her mind where it would be, if anyone comes out on this road, I'm hitting their ass. Like mm-hmm. I'm hitting them, and I'm not stopping. Like I'll deal with the, a, I'll deal with fundam- the cops in the morning. <laughs> there's a fundamental, I think, and this is like one of those interesting, like, <clears throat> like uh, parts of black community. Yeah, and mind you, it's not one of those things that like we all talk about. There's no meeting. Right. <laughs> where we all have decided that this is a thing. But I think if you if you like sprinkle and you like hop around multiple places within the United States and probably around the world. Yeah. There's a layer of like, you shouldn't have been there in the first goddamn place. <laughs> Don't you be jumping out no goddamn bushes. Yeah. The fuck you doing in the it's bushes? True. It's true. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> it's so true though you know what I'm saying like what the fuck you doing in the bushes for yeah. you got no like, reason that to was, be in the that goddamn was bushes that was your fault not mine yes yes exactly <laughs> you shouldn't have been there yo you shouldn't have been there <laughs> <laughs> but you were and uh-huh. my car was there too so yep. you're now, now you're on the ground <laughs> we cut to a news article and anchor showing the couple going missing and that their family hasn't heard from them just yet. The police had no leads on their whereabouts as well. Back with Felton talking about this particular homicide being the display of an entirely well thought killer, a killer who knows that he is good at what he does. Simon goes on to uh, goes on and begins to tell, tell us what he's just 
or what they what we saw from the killer and that this was all practice and planned. Mike goes on to tell the crew that the M.O. is pretty smart, that he knew where everything was and had an excuse for everything that he was doing. Uh, Leonard calls him a mixed killer, quote unquote. He plots, uh, mutilates and does similar things that a disorganized killer would do. We cut to the killer trying to wake up one of the victims while pointing the camera in her face. She eventually wakes up and the camera starts to pan downward. You notice that her abdomen region is bloody. But before we can see it, it cuts back to Mike and his class. One of the students can't continue to watch and covers her face while the other <clears throat> studies it. And I, it's funny because the, the one dude who's like kind of looking at it and he's just like, oh, wow, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's just like, ooh. Motherfucker, you nasty. Like, it kind (laughs) of makes me think, though, where, um, because there's a few theories kind of floating around with this movie. Um, and one of the theories is that one of the, uh, the killer is one of these people that's being interviewed. And interesting. That is such an interesting thought to me. Interesting. I would have never, ooh, that's interesting. Right? So um, that's one of the main theories that's floating around that the killer we've seen and he's in this movie um, being interviewed by uh, initially the crew and so on and so forth. Mm. So I find that fascinating to think about where mm. it's just like, huh, because technically the only person who's seen, seen their his face is technically, well, all these women, but um, seen his face and lived, I should say, is right. the mom and uh Cheryl Dempsey's mom and Cheryl Dempsey who then right. eventually you know Mike turns uh turns it off and tells his class what uh that he knows um cuz like he initially just looks at his class and he's like yeah this is fucked up got <laughs> <laughs> to an anchor talking about the couple's remains being found in a wooded area in Pennsylvania talking with a forensics pathologist Dr. Fahard um Mansarian who I'm just going to refer to as Dr. M because that was tough. Uh, He tells the crew that they brought in the two bodies and they were badly mutilated. A corpse had a head that was placed in the abdomen and that he concluded it was a man's head in a woman's body, which he then classified not one murder, but two. Mm -hmm. Damn. Which also was crazy. Yeah. Damn. And it was like burnt and shit. Yeah. Like you could see it. Like you were like, whew, fuck. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah. head in the, in the stomach. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Lenard says that the couple were coming back from Pittsburgh to Poughkeepsie. The, dis- the distance between three hundred, the distance between the two is 350 miles apart from each other with only a few options of roads to take. The car that was found can only go about 200 miles on a tank. Um, so they went to every single gas station that is along these routes to check their surveillance tapes. They were able to, to get their first uh, video image of the killer. He is covering his face with a hat and shades on while signing to the camera. The students notice that he is signing and says that he is saying Red House. Mike tells them that they found a place called the Red House Tavern a few miles away, but he signed this before he even met the couple. Motherfucker's smart. It's crazy. It's crazy how smart he is. I mean, it's one of those things, right, where it's like the calculated parts of what he's been doing. Yeah. they, they They weirdly throw off your expectations for what you 
weirdly think of killers to be like you you have the mansons you have the ted bundys you have the summers of sam yeah like folks who were you know disturbed but also like they weren't stupid right you know what i mean they understood how to manipulate and how to exactly. play people against each other and use that energy towards getting what they want so yeah. it's like an early glimpse of him kind of not only showing how smart he is but right. showing that he wants people to know exactly like he he, yep. he initially is just like yeah i'm really smart and on top of that i know how to get away with this mm-hmm. and um it's kind of it reminds me very much of like ed kemper too Mm-hmm. Where I mean, and Henry Lee Lucas, because it took forever for Henry Lee Lucas to fucking get caught. But yep. Ed Kemper didn't get caught. He turned himself in. Like mm-hmm. he was just like, and like he tried to turn himself in multiple times, and they liked him so much as a person that they're like, "No, nah, you didn't do those things. You're crazy." It's like, <laughs> bro, I cut off my grandma's head, and then I had sex with it. Bro, yes, he did these things. He's just really fucking smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's also crazy to think that Ed Kemper has audiobooks, audiobook recordings on Audible. Wait, what? Yes. This motherfucker used to read stories in jail, and these stories are available. <laughs> oh, well, I have, um, I have, I have theories. You can, if you can see my face, you know what those theories are. <laughs> but, oh, uh, well, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yep. We already know what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Leonard shout, is- out, shout, shout out to your grandma. She knew. Oh, yeah. She know. If she can't, if they can't use your comb, don't bring them home. Leonard mm-hmm. is telling the crew that the trailer has to be good at disposing of the bodies in order to not be caught. And, um, uh, and the Poughkeepsie tapes killer is really fucking good at it. I mean, Really good at it. Um, and I even put here, I actually think that uh, this is all very, very well done. Um, and some of it, sure, can be a bit far-fetched in some aspects. But at the same time, this gives you those vibes of um, unsolved murders. Or, yep. no, no, no. Uh, what was it? Uh, unsolved mysteries or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that used to be on Lifetime. Yep. You're but, totally right, that one. Um, and... This gave me that vibe of how this looks and how it's recorded and and so on and so forth. Where I'm just like, this feels fucking real. Like this person who made this movie did his fucking research. Mm-hmm. Like he really was just like, okay, how does uh in 2007, how do all of these murder or true crime documentaries work? And I'm glad that the Poughkeepsie tapes is being brought back up in a conversation again because this movie's actually fucking genius. Yeah. It is genius how these Mm -hmm. movies are created. And, dude, shout out to this guy. Like, here's a a quick thing, too, which, and it it reminded me because I forgot because I remembered the first time and then forgot it when I watched it again. mm -hmm. But I don't think you could redo this. You could redo this movie. In 2020, mm-hmm. the thing that makes it so good is that it came out in what, 2007, 2009, something like that? 2007. 2007. Mm-hmm. And technology helps to bring the, the horror too. 100%. It's like having VHS tapes as a thing that is difficult to, uh, uh, one, procure now yeah. because you can't do those things. But also the 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 gritty, the grimy quality of footage right. that you get from that stuff. 
if you were born, if you were around back then, because there's a lot of people who weren't. Yeah. Then it's it's a thing that you just don't you can't recapture that stuff with tech. You can do it. You can fake it. Right. But it just has this other layer to it that just feels even more just like you left that recorder on SLP. Yeah. You let that thing rock for the whole eight hour tape. <laughs> You know what For I mean? Real. Like it's weird stuff like yeah. that. Like you know, it's it's things like that that, that I was like, oh man, this is nuts. But anyway, yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. One hundred percent. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um, he mentions that he knows how to dispose of the bodies in in many different ways. On to another missing person by the name of Elizabeth Jackson, who I'm actually going to change the name of because that's the name of my daughter. <laughs> so I'm changing the name to Delilah Jackson. So on to another missing person to Delilah Jackson was abducted from Hanson County. The killer cut off her head um, and hands with a saw and dumped Delilah's torso in Putnam County, then her head and hands in Broome County. Pam tells the crew that even if the counties worked together, it would still take them about five years for them to find other pieces of the body. Mm -hmm. She continues by saying that this killer understood bureaucracy, which is why it makes me kind of believe that theory a little bit of um, people thinking that this person is still a part of this system of uh, maybe an FBI agent or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. which who knows, honestly, the person I think who did it, um, was, uh, the teacher, Mike. Oh, interesting. I think he did it, but obviously we hear voices and told and that whole other stuff, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 But I, but I love the fact that the, that the detective brought that up Yeah, because it, it, it again showcases how smart dude was, but also, just how faulty the system is. And, and I'm sure yeah. and we'll get into more of that later in the Yeah, in, 100%. In the uh, during all of this, we get scenes of the killer dismembering the bodies of his victims in, uh, in the most heinous of ways. Speaking with Jason Ribling, a dismemberment expert, and I even put here, I was like, how do you become <laughs> that? How do you become a dismemberment expert? You'd be like, surprised. Yeah, I will You'd be surprised. I, like, I was I was surprised by by this guy having a prof, a profession in it. Also, his excitement was very. He very was so excited, and I even he put that so here. I've, I, I've, 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 oh, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Yep, yep, he, yep, tell, yep, yep. he tells the crew very <laughs> chipper like that the first dismemberment <laughs> would take hours and be a lot of work with a handsaw. And was, this motherfucker sounds like he did it. <laughs> He oh was so God. he was so low he was key hype. So excited. He was like, Oh, so you don't want to talk to me? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my God. That was so, was so, so funny. Jason so continues by telling them that uh that typical killers will get a hacksaw, something quick and easy. Except for the killer, he would always go back to a handsaw. Sometimes it was a circular saw, and other times a handsaw, which made it hard for them to group his killings. And then he adds, which is why he probably did it. Yeah. Back with Pam telling them that they would uh that he would try to try so hard to mask his killings, but then goes to show them every disassembly in his tapes. She says she says that um it is like he thought she says that it is like he thought they would be strangely impressed by it. And then one of the crew members asks, Well, are you? And Pam tells him no, and after what he did to Cheryl Dempsey, she feels nothing but hate for this killer. 
Mm-hmm. And in, in, in between that point, in between mm-hmm. those conversations, they're interspersing this footage of him cutting off fingers. Yes. And like burning them and like doing all this dismemberment yeah. in his in his murder basement, which also like adds to the layers of just like he's so comfortable around right. dead bodies. Exactly. Like it's it's really it's really it's really it's really weird. It's super weird. On a part four, Cheryl Dempsey. We cut to the killer stalking Cheryl at her school. She is walking out of the school and down the street. He doesn't make his move on her just yet, but instead we cut to him listening to a police scanner. He is able to match the frequency with Cheryl's phone conversation. Cheryl tells her boyfriend on the other line that um, that uh, she is speaking with uh, she's uh, telling she was telling him that her mom and dad are going on a trip for a week and that she is uh, that they are all leaving on Wednesday while she is talking to her boyfriend on the phone. Ed, quote unquote, that's what I'm calling him for now for right now, <laughs> is outside her house, pointing the camera, watching her every move. And this part, this is this right here is super disturbing. It's just like, whoa. All right. This dude is like he's very confident. This is a confident motherfucker. Because, like, you could tell, like, okay, he's obviously going to try to make a move soon. Like, now mm. that he knows all of this is going down, and even if that wasn't going to happen, I think he still would have went in. Oh, like, yeah. He, he took a little girl from her front line. Yep. Why not up the ante a little bit and go inside someone's house and just steal a... a I, I guess she's a teenager. I don't know. She she looked semi-older, I guess. Maybe college. Yeah, she, looked, she looks grown. Yeah, maybe college. <clears throat> Uh, she continues talking with her boyfriend and tells him that she has a feeling that something bad is going to happen. Things have been going too good in her mind, and she is starting to gather those feelings. We cut to her walking, and the killer stalking her even more, her every move. We cut to him sneaking into her house on a rainy night. He enters through the back door and slowly creeps through the kitchen. He turns he turns a light on, but quickly turns it off, then grabs a knife from the holder. We jump to him going up the stairs. And I even put here, these jumps are actually really, really genius because <laughs> uh, the jumps were supposed to be kind of like um, him changing the tapes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like that's that's fascinating. And, and some of them don't make sense uh, uh, for that theory. But because mm. um, like there's some moments where the, it's sitting down and it does that jump and it's still it's still sort of in the same spot recording the same thing so some of them don't make too much sense but whatever i'm gonna still go with it because i thought that was pretty dope and adds to his uh his i guess his genius i guess it's fucked up to call this killer genius but whatever uh he creeps up the stairs and um and goes through the door to excuse me he creeps up the stairs and into a room that the door is open to he goes inside and you can hear the shower running um, this sick little fucker finds her panties on the floor and picks them up with his knife. He bumps into her dresser and Cheryl um, hears him and calls out to Tim asking um, if that's him coming into the house. Ed doesn't <laughs> say anything, but he starts moving closer towards the shower. The boldness of this man. Before mm. he can do anything, Tim calls out to her and asks if he can make something to eat. The killer is hiding in the bathroom with Cheryl at this point and... <laughs> And while uh, she is talking with Tim, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. damn. Like, he's not giving a fuck. 
It's so maddening. It's just like it, not giving any fucks. Seriously. And it, yep. it's bananas to think about. Absolutely bananas. Ed is now trying to figure out his next move. He places the camera um, down and heads into the closet to hide, but not before he takes some of the clothes off the bed and throw them to the floor. Cheryl comes out of the shower and is looking for some clothes to put on. We all know that Ed is in the closet at this time. And this scene is so fucking tense. Mm -hmm. It's just there's so much tension in the scene. And you're just like, damn, if I had a butter knife right now. Like, because this scene is just bonkers. I was like, wow. Like, it's like, whew, my heart's pounding. Tim bangs on the door to uh, to her room and startles her. He brought her ice cream and beer. Yeah, I mean, sounds good. <laughs> she asks him why he moved her clothes. He tells her that he didn't move them and they, and, uh, but they, uh, she tells him that they were all over the place. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cheryl suggests that they should go watch a movie that she rented, but Tim is trying to get his fuck on. He's like, yo, mm-hmm. let's just stay up here. And I was like, right, yo, let's bro. chill right here, though. I was like, all right. It wasn't no Netflix and chill. It's just chill. Uh, <laughs> Buzz cut to the, uh, to the lights off. And this is what I mean right here, like how it, it uh, kind of buzzes and flashes, but it's mm-hmm. still in the same spot. Mm-hmm. when they initially stayed there and so on and so forth. So it, 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 the whole tape theory probably isn't true, but whatever. He collects his camera and heads back down the stairs while walking out. You can see Cheryl and Tim asleep on the couch. He Ed goes over to them and points the camera at both of them. Cheryl wakes up and asks Tim if he would like to go to bed and ask him if he's staying over because she gets a little creeped out um, in the house she gets a little creeped out when she's there by herself. Tim mentions that he would be a bit scared too. And I was like, wrong move, bro. He's like right behind you. Like you need to be tougher right now. <laughs> All while Ed is at, at the side of the couch, watching them up close and personal. Cheryl and Tim get up and start cleaning up their mess. Tim walks into the kitchen and, um, uh, and Ed is right behind him. And it's just like, he's like legit right behind him. Like every step Tim is taking, he is right there. While Tim is washing the dishes, the lights flash on and Ed stabs him repeatedly. Um, (laughs) And I even put here, what makes this so well done is the fact that the camera work is just very clean and very precise. And um, you kind of forget that the camera is being manned by the killer. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, so genius the way they do this tim Mm -hmm. drops to the floor and cheryl comes back in the room she notices what's going on and starts running immediately but she doesn't make it out of the house ed punches her repeatedly in the back of the head until she passes out now we don't see her punching him but we do see her shadow getting beat the fuck up Mm -hmm. and man this dude is punching her hard because you're like it's just like whoof whoof It's vicious. It's, it's so vicious. They don't they don't hold back on the on the sound again. Yeah. And they don't hold back on the the, the like holding the frame a little bit longer. Oh yeah. Than usual, which I think is a thing that again is a horror a horror not trope, it's a it's a horror um tactic. Tactic, yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. And it, it it's a it's a tactic that that we see used time and time and time again. But the way this movie does it, it's just it's one of those things where it, it looks like this movie shouldn't do that. 
And that's the thing mm. where it's just like, okay, this movie is supposed to be a documentary. Why are we still on this scene? Because like we are in this whole thing without any type of interview documentation going on for at least a solid 15 minutes. And it's mm-hmm. just showing us what he did and how he took Cheryl from start to finish. And it's, it's mm. absolutely insane. Uh, once she is out, Ed heads back into the kitchen to finish off Tim by stomping his face in on the ground. Fuck. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Cut to an anchor going over the murder of Tim and the kidnapping of Cheryl. Cut to Cheryl's friend Jan saying that Cheryl would ask her um, ask her if she ever felt like someone is watching you. Jan um, or Jane. Jane tells her that she didn't, but Cheryl would say that sometimes she feels like someone is always following her around. Cut mm-hmm. to Ed's tapings. Cheryl is bounded up in, in sadistic ways. She is screaming and crying, telling the killer uh, that she uh, that she would do anything he wants for her to get out of this situation. This is, this is the moment. Yeah, it really this is. is the moment. This it, is the moment when you're like, Okay, I knew that everything before this was fucked up. Yeah. But now we're like, we have now hit the deep end of the pool. 100%. I think this mm-hmm. is the point where um, where David backed out. I think David I, was like, at this point, where it's like, okay. I'm I can done. totally understand why, too. I'm done. Yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty wild. It, it's like, uh, just to kind of talk about the, the, the way she's bounded up, uh, she, she initially has these ropes... And it's like bondage initially. She's hogtied. Yeah, she's hogtied. Yeah. And and arms stretched back, legs literally tied to her hands. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty brutal to look at. And like for some people, yes, this is a fetish and there's nothing wrong with fetishes and things like that. But in this moment, like this, this definitely is a very brutal sight to see. And yeah. And the- and it's one of those things where you don't, again, it like plays on all the things that you're not supposed to do. 100%. Right? Like he, he hit like the thing that, that, that initially when I saw the scene, mm-hmm. even me as a horror veteran, I guess that's yeah. the way I'm going to put it. Yeah. No, that's what we are. Crin- <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I'm, I'm wearing my badge fully and, and, and proudly. We got our purple uh, hearts already. We got it for real, for real. Um, but like he's 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 uh you know what I'll let you talk about what he says to her <laughs> and then and then I'll and then I'll add the the extra layer right at the end. Yeah. All right. He goes up behind her and says that he knows she will, then asks for her name. She tells him Cheryl Dempsey and he yells at her that that's the wrong answer and then he hits her in the side. He tells her that her name is Slave and then asks her again. She says her real name yet again, and he hits her in the side again. Ed then asks for her name, and she repeats slave over and over. But he asks her over and over, instilling it in her head until he is satisfied with her answer. Mm. Mm. And it was the hit in the side that was the thing I was talking about. Yeah. Because it's it's interesting even just the way it's shot. Yeah, because Cheryl's like on the table, mm-hmm. and it's from her right side. Basically, you're looking at yeah, her. it's like a right side vantage point like, of her. Yeah, and he's kind of circling the table. It's like a shark 
going yeah. after its prey in the water. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he's like, he, he's asking her and she's like, she says her name and he's not, he's not happy with that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything in the first initial say the first initial thing, but the second right. time she says it, he turns, he goes around to the other opposite side of the table and he straight punches the shit out of her in her ribs. 100%. And I was like, oh, yeah. they didn't they didn't shy away from showing Mm-mm. her get and she has clothes on she's not naked she's not she's not any of that right but she it's has just the same like, clothes on she had on when she got taken yeah but it's like definitely that whole like i will hit you like i would hit any other person yeah kind of thing 100%. where he did not hold back on that punch and it was he one of those things not. where i was expecting him to hold back on that punch and he did not hold back on that punch no. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be rough. He punched her so hard, it looked like it definitely could have fractured a rib. Mm -hmm. Like, he hit her hard. Like, a Mm -hmm. lot of might went into that. Like, I'm surprised she didn't fall off the table. Mm -hmm. Mm Because she definitely shook like she was about to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was was definitely rough. Uh, Cut to to, uh, police officer Edgard Cummings going over the discovery of Tim. He tells the crew that his head uh, was not only smashed in, but mutilated to shit. Um, And I even put here, they go over all the different types of mutilation, but to spare you guys the details, feel free to just watch the movie yourself for the description. (laughs) Or look it up. (laughs) Do what you need to do, but I'm not going to mention it here. Edgar believed that Cheryl was dead from this incident and then her body was dumped in the woods. Cut to Felton in the car discussing more about the crime scene. When they first arrived, they wrote it off as a disorganized killer. But once they acquired the tapes, they found that they that the killer carefully crafted the murder site to throw the law off. And it worked. Felton shares, uh, shares that his craft... Um, being able to hold composure during mutilations and showing um, his showing of theatrics through it all shows that the uh, and shows that the killer is extremely mentally ill is what he said. We cut mm-hmm. to an actor by the name of Ethan Steiermark um, discussing the mask and its origin in Italy in the 16th century. Uh, initially, the mask is a plague doctor's mask mm-hmm. um, from. Uh, yeah, from Italy, um, but they prohibited they prohibited people from carrying weapons while wearing the mask because people stopped being held accountable for their actions while wearing the mask. Back with Felton, he he thinks the costume allows for Ed to be able to detach himself from the killings and the acts. Ethan goes on to talk about the plague doctor. And I even put here uh, there is a little bit of brief history lesson right here for everybody. The plague doctor would wear this mask because they thought it would ward them off from black death. Uh, the black death was believed to be an airborne disease, and they thought it it they thought if they would uh, wear these masks. Um, they would put sweet-smelling things like dried flowers, herbs, and spices that would hopefully protect them from the effects of the Black Death. Um, I mean, later on, we found out that that is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> can't put Tussin on the Black Death. Yeah, you definitely can't. <laughs> uh, cut back to Ed's POV. We can hear Cheryl crying, and we see her chained up this time. But the way she is chained up is still quite morbid. Uh, her arms are initially her hands are kind of chained behind her back like a police cuffing right and then he has those cuffs up backwards on a chain where she has she is forced to stand on her tippy toes in order to 
get some sign of comfort. Mm. Oh, ridiculous. She is crying for her mom and tells her that he killed her whole family and that he is all she has left. Shit. Dude. Like, whoa. (laughs) Just the way he is conditioning her. He's breaking her. Yeah, like every yep. fiber in her body is being broken. Have you mm-hmm. heard of the um gosh, I want to say it's the I don't I don't think it's called the McAfee. I want to say I want to say it's something like that, but it's like the McAfee house. Mm-mm. Um it's initially this this house where it has like a crazy long list of of uh waitlisted people or whatever, but it's a it's a haunted house quote unquote, um, haunted very loosely. Um, but it's initially like a, a house where you go to and he, uh, this guy initially just tortures you. What? Yeah. And your whole thing is you try your best to initially try to get out of, of the, just go through the whole process. But like this dude, it, it's nuts. Like this used to be in San Diego and he had to move because uh, what? yeah because they were just like nah bro like you need to stop doing this and he moved to, i think i think he moved to like philly or something like that somewhere in the east coast or maybe it was maybe it was more down south like maybe more like florida or something like that oh it's called the mckamey manor there it is yes oh, um what and this dude has people sign a waiver yeah. Um. Initially, like, if you lose a tooth, if you get black eyes, if you bleed, if, if you get burnt, if if you get hurt, it is not our fault. Even though we're doing what the things to you. What is this shit? Okay, I gotta this, look at this now. God damn it! Right? <laughs> this dude performs uh like a whole bunch of crazy shit. If you want to see a, I mean, this isn't for you, uh, Ka. This is for yeah. everybody else. If you guys want to see a tamed version of what of that. Uh, manner, I guess. Um, mm. you can look up a show on Netflix called The Dark Tourist, and uh, he goes through it. He well, he doesn't go through it. He, I think, he does like, like maybe a little bit yeah. of it, and he quits. Like he, they just put the bag over his head, and he's like, "Nope, fuck it, I'm done. I can't." Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> like they don't do anything to him. He he taps out before he even goes in. And, oh, and and supposedly that those the, basically it's like if you finish it they'll give you twenty k yes but no one has ever done it no one's what ever finished is it this oh they, my god okay they waterboard you they uh choke you they fuck dude they did the, all the all, they do some crazy shit they huh. do some crazy shit and it, it's wild it's wild wow. they wow. Oh, they bury you alive too it, yeah. They okay. bury you alive. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how? how? <laughs> okay. What? Man. Yeah. I, man. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Humans, man. Humans are interesting, interesting beings. Yo. <laughs> that they are. <laughs> <She's good. laughs> he then goes, uh, oh, excuse me. Um, he then goes on to tell her, that he then goes up to her and tells her that she is happy that he killed her family. She starts to yell no, and he grabs her from her hooked chains, pulls her over to the sink, then dumps her head in water. 
He repeats for, um, for her to say that she is happy that he killed her parents. She finally agrees to say it after multiple times of constantly wa- waterboarding to say, and she finally agrees that she uh, is happy that he killed her parents and that she does, and she is happy. And he, then he tells her that she doesn't have parents because she is a slave. And then she says it again, and he yells, why, at her. And she tells him because she doesn't like them. Ed takes her back to the chain hook and places her back on it. He asks her, who does she like? And she tells him that she only likes him. Ed grabs her face to ask her why, yet again, and she tells him because he is her master. He then asked her if she wanted her to kill those people, but he asked holding a hand up while uh, like he is going to hit her in the face if she gives him the wrong answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fuck. She tells him, yes, I don't. She tells him, quote, yes, I don't know. Yes, I don't know. End quote. Everybody Mm -hmm. keep that in your mind. Mm -hmm. That quote right there. Keep that in your mind. We will revisit that. While sobbing and trying not to get hit in the face, Cheryl begins to cry and say thank you. He tells her to say it, uh, say it, quote unquote. And she then repeats, quote, you are the master, end quote. Back with the news reporter saying people have come all over to search around the wooded area to look for Cheryl. Her her mom comes on camera and says to bring her daughter back home. We cut to a POV shot of the killer, but walking up to the house towards Cheryl's mom. She, he tells her if she, there is anything he can do to help to let him know. And she looks <laughs> at him and says, thank you. She begins looking at him a bit longer and then realizes that this is the man that took her daughter away. Mm. It is the it is the moment of the movie that for me sealed just and it's weird because you've seen all this other stuff happen before. Yeah. But it's this moment because after he says what he says to the mom. And she has that initial inkling that it's him. He starts to back away. And it's interesting because the cops are at their house. The cops are there. He walks past a crime investigator. He's walking. He's like walking through a crime scene. His crime scene. Yes. To talk to the mom. He does it in this interesting, really meek voice. That is unlike any other time that you've heard him throughout the rest of the movie so far. Yeah. Everything else has been screams, has been yelling at people, has been um, a conniving kind of play, playing up his ability to feel like he's harmless. Yeah. But in this one moment, once she sees him and she has that oh shit moment that oh snap, this is the guy. Right. It's not like he runs no. initially. He snickers. Yeah. He giggles. He snickers. And that, and that giggle is the most heinous shit yeah. in the fucking movie up to that point. Because you can 100%. tell that he's getting off on it. Yep. And he's purposely torturing people. Not physically, not just physically, but like going down the line of all the connective tissue around the people to say like, I got this shit. 
and there's <sighs> nothing you can do about it. It is, wow. it is haunting that little laugh that he does. So, oh. so good. It, so it really good. is. And the way she even realizes him and she doesn't say anything. She doesn't speak nope. up and say, that's him. That's the killer. She legit is just like, oh my God. Oh my mm-hmm. God. And she just keeps mm-hmm. repeating that. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's so insane mm-hmm. because like he, he goes up because they're, they're looking for Cheryl in, in the fort, in the wooded areas and stuff like that. And, um, he doesn't go up to her thinking like a cop. He more so kind of goes up to her like, Oh, I'm one of the people looking for your daughter. Yeah. I'm and, a person in the neighborhood and I care. Right. And this, this, this moment reminded me of, um, uh, fuck, what's that movie? That Dennis Villeneuve movie uh, with Hugh Jackman. Uh, Prisoners. This reminds me oh, of Prisoners. Oh, you haven't seen that? Uh, mm. Well, I, the, slight spoiler. Um, but this reminds me of a portion where this guy co- initially goes to a visual for uh, one of the one of the uh, people who were, who were kidnapped. And it's so intriguing where it's like that's like the one of the main things they always say right where it's just like um they'll always return back to the to the crime and all this other mm. shit and that's i've always found that so fascinating and um because uh, it's always one of those things it's like why why would you return to the crime like what like what's the point but that's just it like just initially what you said like this dude just fucking gets off on this shit and it's crazy it's fucking mm. crazy we cut to Cheryl's mom, Victoria, telling the crew that she plays the moment in her head over and over. She said that she knew it was him as soon as she saw him, but they, but she didn't stop him because she was scared. She, my ass would have stopped his ass. <laughs> I would have screamed. <laughs> you know, same. I would have been like, that's that motherfucker right there. He's right here. <laughs> this is him. Yeah. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> There's a slow spiral span of a missing poster with Cheryl and a sketch of her captor with a $25,000 reward. We cut back to Ed's POV of Cheryl chained up and gagged. He asked um, ask her if she is through screaming and asked if she would like uh, some water. She shakes her head uh, to both. And he gives her some water through the gag. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that was bugged out too. No, because I was like, you're kind of waterboarding her. Yeah, again, again. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like it, it, it's like a simulation of both abuse and comfort. And and I, mm. and I, I thought that's what with that fine line. And we'll we'll talk more about this at the towards the end of the movie. But I thought that was where that fine line started to come into pl- clear play for her where mm. it's just like, like, okay, I'm starting to get used to these torturous acts and now I'm getting relief from some of them. And it's, it, it, I find that fascinating. Um, he tells her, he tells her if he, if he takes the gag off, she has to put, put on a dress for him. Static cut to Cheryl in the dress, but not tied up this time. He hands her a strange mask to put on. The, the ma- this mask is creepy as fuck, guys. Like it, it like it, it, it has hair, <laughs> like like long hair. Uh, yep. It has lips, like legit lips. Where if she were to move her lips, those lips move. Like it's mm-hmm. a very, very, very creepy mask. It is. It, it does feel like a skin mask, right? Yeah, very much so. 
Very much so. Yeah, this this is uh ooh, yeah. Yeah, you you put it you put it in the right terms, Scott. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Cuz it made me it made me think of Silence of the Lambs a lot. Yeah. It was like the first thing that, that flashed into my head was like, "Oh, this feels like the Silence of the Lambs." Um Damn. Yeah, I forgot yeah, his you're name. Right. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter. No, the other dude. Oh, uh, Wild, uh, uh Bill, Bill. Yeah, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Uh she put she puts it on and says, "Quote, you are the master. Please let me serve you." End quote. While mm. she is saying this, we cut back with the docs uh with the document crew uh going over some B-roll. Then we cut to Leonard saying that the summer of 93 um the area was starting to feel the effects of the killer's work. This is the first time we actually get a year. Um Mhm. Mm-hmm. The first time we we understand, like, okay, like, cool, this is the early 90s, um, but he, like, she's, that's another thing we want you to keep in mind, too, everybody, like, this is the early 90s, they give us another year when they find her, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Felton says the most killers will do, th- oh, excuse me. Oh, no, that's right. Uh, Felton says that that most killers will do three things when receiving this much attention. One, they they will realize that it's not safe for a serial killer to work that town and leave. Two, they will take a break and let things cool down off in the area. Three, or three, or they will just keep doing it and potentially speed up the rate of of their killings until they get caught. Instead, this killer kept killing, but would change his M.O. I even put here, this is the portion that reminds me of Henry Lee Lucas. He would do killings like this, but would change the way he would kill his victims and his M.O. on how he would actually get them. Um, And some would be repulsive kills and others would be thought out processes. And it could be anything for Henry Lee Lucas. That was the thing. Like, if you, if he found you fancy or whatever inside of a i don't know a supermarket he will follow you home and kill you if he mm. if he found you attractive he would do nothing if he found you ugly he would do nothing if he found you attractive again he will kill you like he was just he was so spontaneous and so thought out at the same time and mm-hmm. he he worked with someone during during his time, uh, well, work with is the wrong word. He killed with someone uh, named right. Otis, Otis O'Toole. And Otis was learning from Henry. And uh, the thing is, Henry would tell Otis, and Otis was the person who said this. He said, Henry would tell me things like this. If you kill one per, if you know, he said, he said it like this. If I strangled someone yesterday, shoot someone the next day. If I stab someone today, tomorrow, I'm going to go ahead and push you off of a bridge. And that was like, that was like his thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just how he would change the way he would do this shit. And it's fucking crazy. Part yep. five, a new MO. Cut to a news reporter talking about the third body found in the Hudson River. They officially coined this killer with a moniker, the Water Street Butcher. Another news anchor says the police is warning sex workers to stay off of the streets. Cut to the POV of WSB. So I'm just going to call him that from now on. And I even mm. put here, third name changed. Bear with me, guys. <laughs> you know, like, we're, we're, we'll, be, we'll be switching this shit up a lot. Asking a sex worker if they, are new, if they knew anything about a John getting robbed at gunpoint. The woman tells him that it wasn't her and, 
and grabs her and he grabs her while she was yelling that it wasn't her. We mm. cut to stills of her being dead with knife gashes in her cheek in a park. Cut to Cheryl wearing the mask, sobbing and repeating, quote, you are the master. Please let me serve you. While she is saying, th- uh, while she is saying that, there is a woman saying um, that she doesn't know what is going on, but it isn't right. And you don't see this woman; you hear her in the background, and she's like, "This isn't right. What's going on in here?" Like, "No, I'm not down with this." Um, <laughs> and while Cheryl is still repeating her conditioning mantra, you can hear the woman being killed in the background. And I even put here, this is heartbreaking in this moment because not only do you hear this, the camera is pointing only at Cheryl during this mm. time frame. Mm-hmm. But she is crying through her mask. And it is insane. And, and it's really interesting. Go ahead, go ahead. Hit your I, point. I was just going to add this one last thing. And what makes this super fascinating is the fact that he keeps these masks on when he brings people downstairs and one, mm. I think he does it because he likes it. But two, I think he also does it because he's fucking smart. And if anybody gets away, he doesn't want them to, he doesn't want them to identify Cheryl. Right. So that's yep. one of those things where it's just like, yeah, like, and it's also one of those other parts of it too, where up until this point, like you've talked about it a couple of times already with that mm-hmm. mantra that she already has, right? Where it's just like, right. let me serve you. Let me serve you. Mm-hmm. Where you can still see that she's not fully broken yet. Right. Because if she was, she wouldn't cry at the murder of that person. Exactly. And it's still, she's like, it's it's this interesting play about her trying to hold on to her humanity mm-hmm. while continuously being broken. And, it, and and the actress, like, plays it amazingly well. Seriously. Uh, yep. And it, that that's, and I think that's why, I think that's what's, what everyone's problem is with this movie, is that mm. this movie just feels too real. Oh, and yeah. For some people, it's just like, you know, like, that. That's that's one of people's main complaints about horror is that it doesn't feel real. I wouldn't be placed in this situation and so on and so forth. And every single time a person says that to me, I always ask them, have you seen the Poughkeepsie tapes yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I always ask them that same question. Have you seen the Poughkeepsie tapes yet? Because if you want something that feels real, watch that. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Exactly. And that that's the thing. That that's why I even told my friend David, because the very first episode that we had, we had with Cool Greg, as I as I told you previously when you were on. Um and we were talking about like your fuck that horror movie. So initially the question that I asked you. Mm. And remember I told you David also said that he didn't have one and that he was looking for one. Well, he found it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I gotta say. I still don't have one. I don't care. (laughs) Going on to uh, police officer Joseph Danvers, uh, no relation to Carol Danvers, uh, tells the crew that uh, sex workers were telling them that the girls were being arrested and never heard from again. We quickly cut to a woman being arrested, screaming that they can't just do that to her. Then her body being found naked in a park. Cut back to Cheryl's chamber. And, uh, and and that's what I've been calling it lately, just Cheryl's chamber, <laughs> and a woman asking for help. Cheryl tells her no, that he won't like it. Then WSB pulls the woman off the wall. Uh, 
He starts to kick her repeatedly and then ties her to a post. Once down uh, with the other woman, he goes over to Cheryl and starts yelling at her uh, for trying to help the woman escape. Cheryl tells him repeatedly that she did not try to help her and she is crying saying not to hurt her. Like you said, she's not completely broken yet, right? Mm-hmm. WSB grabs a knife and unties um, unties Cheryl, then tells her that this is her punishment. Cheryl goes over to the woman and slits her throat while WSB films it. Here's the thing that makes this very disturbing, folks. She does not mm-hmm. hesitate. Yep. She does this with zero hesitation. Yep. That's and- the thing that threw me off real hard. And when she did it, she drops the knife immediately, like, oh, my God, what have I done? But she still didn't hesitate. Nope. <laughs> and it, it's multiple things that could have gone in this situation, right? Where she had the knife. She had a weapon at this point in time. She was untied. Yeah. She could have fought. Yep. But instead, she chose to abide. Yep. <laughs> it, is, it, is the most, it is one of the most heartbreaking scenes in that movie. And it was this moment where you fully realize she's conditioned. Yep. She's gone. Mm -hmm. She's never coming back from this. Wow. Wow. Cut to Dr. Arja Vinatopiju, Dr. V, uh, saying that all of the victims' bodies were (laughs) mutilated to cover up any bite marks. Uh, Then we get flashes of WSB cutting off pieces of, of, of his Vicks, right? It's just, it's, it's one of those things. Um, and it's just like all these different types, like fucking legs and cheeks and fuck Jesus. Mm-hmm. The women were all cut from their cheek to their ear and sexually assaulted post mortem. Cut to Micah telling the class that he was granted a chance to interview Theodore Robert Bundy. That's right, folks. That is Ted Bundy in connection with another case. He says that the first question that he asked him was, quote, did he rape her? End quote. We cut to the archived footage of Mike and Bundy during an interview. Bundy asks if he did this act before or after the murder. Mike tells him that it was after, and Bundy tells him that these people would continue with these acts with the bodies as much as possible. He continues telling Mike to keep quiet next time they find a fresh dump site, and the guy will definitely come back for the body. Uh, Litter tells them that they have not found a fresh enough body to even try this theory. Because it would it would <laughs> take them weeks to find this shit. And it's wild. Mm-hmm. Wild. But there was evidence that he was returning back to them for sexual reasons. Cut to another home video of someone knocking on the door. They are uh, and uh, the killer is walking up to the door and there are two kids peering into the house through the mailbox. He opens the door, and they are two Girl Scouts that are selling cookies. WSB agrees to buy some from them and asks for them to come in. One of the girls, t- one of the girls, tells them that they are not supposed to, and he rebuttals by telling them that this is smart because there are a lot of weirdos. But he is a policeman, so it's okay. <laughs> and it, it's it's interesting this portion here. It's fucking genius. It's it's super genius. And the reason why is because. Most kids, mainly white kids, are taught to obey men in uniform or or people in uniform, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like, oh, if you see a cop, you can trust him. 
If you see mm-hmm. a, a, a firefighter, you can, you can trust them or whatever. When that's not the case. They're still human. Even though they have a job, they are still human. And humans are just like Kaja just said, everybody. Humans are interesting. Yep. <laughs> humans are very interesting, interesting beings. So, yeah. They look at each other for a moment and then they agree to come inside. He tells them to sit in a chair and he places the camera down, then offers them Cokes. They agree to the sodas and wait for him to come back. He hands them both cups of the dark soda. I'm going to say that again, everybody. He hands them both cups of the dark soda and (laughs) one girl takes a drink from the cup. Now, we both know What's wrong with this picture already? (laughs) One, please, guys, don't ever, ever. And this this goes out to mainly like college students and things like that who go to parties and like to drink out of red cups and shit. Don't. Don't do it. If it's already open, it's not yours. (laughs) 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 Do some shit that you can open it yourself. That's just come on. Um, I grant these are children and they're, they're already breaking so many rules in my book. That would be so many rules. Hot. If I've heard my daughter went into this motherfucker's house, I'd be so mad. He asked them if they rode their bikes, but they say no, because one of them lives on DuPont. The other g- little girl doesn't live in the neighborhood and says that she lives on Central. He asked them if they let their parents know where they are going. And they said, yeah, sometimes you are. <laughs> It's like the checkbox list of all the things you're not supposed to do as a kid. 100%. 100%. You can hear thudding and banging underneath them, and one of the girls asks, what is that noise? He plays dumb and says that he left the TV on in the basement and tells him that he is going to be able to uh, – that he's not going to be able to get cookies today because he gets raccoons in his basement. One of the girls tests him on this and and says, there's no raccoons in this area, and he tells them there sure are. WSB then proceeds to ask them if they would like to go see the raccoon in the basement. One of the girls agree to see it and the other doesn't want to and says that she wants to leave now. He then tells (laughs) them that he will have to get cookies some other day and to let themselves out. What Mm. fucking intense scene. It It is super tense because you're just like, I am waiting for these kids to get murdered. Yeah. You've seen it happen throughout the movie and especially with that with that young girl in the beginning of the movie. Right. And you're just like, you have done all the, again, you've done all the things you're not supposed to do, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like in the crib and you hear the sounds of the people in the basement. <sighs> it was so good the way that they, and it was so good because you can, what I love about WSB's acting in this particular, the character, you know, the person who played mm-hmm. the character mm-hmm. was that he played up the tension, not of the want to kill them. Right. But the back and forth between, can I get away with this? Right. Exactly. Which was the first time you've actually heard him have not doubt in himself, but doubt in the situation. Right. Which was Where- really interesting. Yeah, asking and it was, them. It was really, really nuts to see how he played that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And like the, the those following questions that he constantly is asking the girls over and over and over and over again, where it's just like straight up like, okay, 
he obviously is trying to get some type of information from this to where it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, this little kid lives in my neighborhood. So I probably am not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they're going to start knocking on doors. Um, yep. they let, they let their parents know uh, typically where they go. How do I know if this is not one of those moments? Um, and it's just, it, it's crazy. Cause he's just kind of thinking like, like I could, Definitely, if I wanted to, I can get away with one of these, but I can't get away with both. <laughs> yep. That was so, exactly it, too. Yep. He was like, yeah. one is, two is maybe a little too much. Right. Yep. Um, but it, it was it was definitely, it was interesting. Interesting. Um, he grabs his camera and removes the tablecloth, and it is Cheryl underneath the cloth. Um, and she's uh, like, like bent over holding a mirror. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it, it's mainly so he could put the camera down. And it, it's just, it's so unnerving to to look at it that way. Yep. I forgot it's about just, that it, scene, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And and like the, the, the fact that she was the table, she wasn't underneath the table. Mm-hmm. She was literally there the whole time. And that that's what makes that scene even more like wild as hell yeah and 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 it lets us know that like okay cheryl is officially broken Mm. he goes down to her cheryl and tells her that it sounds like something got loose downstairs she apologizes and says that uh she thought that it was tight enough and he tells her that she felt that she felt pity and tried to let it go and then tells (laughs) her that this is her fault now this is the only time or this is the only the only person he refers to an actual pronoun is Cheryl. Mm, mm-hmm. Everyone else gets it. But Cheryl, he actually says he uses the pronouns her or or mm-hmm. or or because he's because he said that th- this is um, this is your fault and um, you felt pity for it and things like that. And, and he's initially declassifying these these people in his mind in a way yeah. like like their cattle in a way for him mm-hmm. um he goes downstairs and you can hear him screaming at the woman in the basement cut to the fbi agent jacob polinski talking about 10 bodies that had matching semen on them then they found a breakthrough that one of the victims had an unwashed glass of water it had a fingerprint and DNA from the saliva on the glass. Officer Danvers tells them that they ran the prints that were found on the glass and it came back with a match. It matched his partner, Jim Foley. Police Chief Fre- uh, Frederick Miller says, says that he was placed under arrest and st- uh, started to build a case. He was, in a, he was in town during all of those killings and some killings in Pennsylvania that had s- the same M.O., Foley was in Pennsylvania for a family vacation and he didn't have an alibi at the time. They searched <laughs> his car and house, found blood stains and jewelry that matched the victims, and they arrested him promptly afterwards. Now, here's the thing. Do I think Jim Foley did some of these killings? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I don't think he did them all, but I definitely think he did some of them. Um, Interesting. And the main reason why I think that is coming up soon. Cut to the news showing Foley being a suspect for the Water Street 
Butcher. There is a newspaper article saying that the state is seeking the death penalty for his slangs. They, uh, the crew is talking to Foley's son, Hank, talking about how devastating it was for him to find, find out about his dad. He couldn't sleep, he dropped out of school, and his friends thought that he was a freak. Uh, uh, prosecuting attorney Sandra Willits tells him that Foley didn't have an alibi because he was simply a cop. He would ride around in an unmarked cruiser and he had a history of picking up sex workers. One worker in particular placed him in the neighborhood at the time of three, abduct three of the abductions. Defense attorney Bernard Golinko says that his hands were tied because Foley wouldn't accept a plea bargain. And this is one, one of the reasons why I think that uh, I have two theories about this. I think either he killed some of these women or the killer actually approached him and threatened him. Really? Interesting. Because it's... I, kinda, mm, I was just... I, I always took that moment where his defense attorney was like, he didn't want to take the plea. Mm -hmm. Was like, he knew. He was like, I'm fucking innocent. I did not do this shit. True. How dare you accuse me of doing this thing and I will be dead. He's like, he knows the system. He knows what happens to people who cop please. That's true. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to make it out of jail either. Right. That's true. <laughs> he's like, he's like F that man. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to cop a plea and, 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 and feign innocence because I want to get a cheaper or a lesson, That's lesser uh, conviction. Like hell no. So it made me, it made me think of that first. That was the first thing I thought about. I was like, That's fair. Damn. That's fair. Okay. Um, he told Foley that they are going to kill him if he doesn't plea, and Foley told him that he would fire him and defend himself if he didn't shut up about it. <laughs> Damn. The verdict that was reached <laughs> was guilty. Surprise, surprise, everybody. Hank tells reporters that, his, that it is his father and that he needs to be punished for his actions. Uh, we get cuts of the courtroom and a man... Um, we get cuts of a courtroom and a man... Uh, lost my spot. No, 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 no. Says that they they think that his life should be spared because they are not like him. When uh, we then see uh, a coroner picking up a body and putting it into a van, police boats searching in the river. Then we hear Cheryl doing her chants yet again. "Quote: You are the master. Please let me serve you." They are all these images of police protests, memorials, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A news anchor says the governor. Um, uh, has not granted reprieve that uh, Foley will be executed within the hour. They were like not holding back. Mm, nope. They did that shit quick. They did that real quick. Uh, like death row usually takes years. <laughs> um, Back to the woman who was bouncing on a balloon earlier in the movie and then stills of her dead. And I even put here this now this beginning opening scene now officially makes more sense because this woman was a sex worker and probably has done interesting fetishes before. Mm -hmm. And it's just mm -hmm. like, yo, I'm I'm making money. So whatever kind of thing. If this is what you want and I can get like four or five hundred bucks out of this, let's do it. Cut right. to a reenactment of Foley coming out of his cell to be executed. An audio recording of the execution is being played. Quote Two members of the execution team are preparing their injections. The third is standing by, end quote. During these audio cuts, there is a woman that is being suffocated with the bag over her head trying to scream. 
Jesus. They give him an opportunity to make a last statement, but he declined. Cut to a woman that is backing up into a washer machine trying to get away from him. He has declined. Uh, he also declined to receive prayer. The image of a woman bouncing on the ball is shown throughout this sequence as well. They inject him in the arm and go, and going through the phases of execution while jumping to uh, to uh, the image of a man wearing the plague doctor's mask. The woman pops the balloon and the physicians are examining Foley and he is classified dead. A message pops up on the screen, quote, James Foley died by lethal injection at 1224 a.m. on September 9th, 2001, end quote. Part hmm. six, missed one. Now, this was a whole spectacle of shit going on in this moment. It was just like, and initially the movie is doing a really good job as uh, also now giving us a piece of mystery. Like, Oh wow. These are all the people that he killed and so on and so forth. Um, and it really kind of hunkers it down. Like, yeah, this he, he did it kind of thing. Oh yeah. But then we get part six. Danvers tells them that when he got home that day, he found a map in his mailbox. There was a mark on it that said, quote, missed one, end quote. And it was another body. We cut to another POV and they are pointing the camera at the TV talking about the execution of Foley. They put the camera down on the table and we can see the upper body of Cheryl, but not her face. And I, I, I put, I put, did your heart, did your heart drop when you guys watched this? And that was dedicated mm. to my, to my team, but how did you feel in this moment? Like when you first watched this movie, cause I know you first watched this movie technically, uh, what, like maybe like right after, uh, right after the time, right after my last appearance on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So th- gosh, that was like, what, maybe October-ish? Something? Mm-hmm. No, 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 maybe a little bit later than that. Maybe like, maybe like January ish, something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. So after, after that, like, like what did you think in that moment? Like, did you think that they finally found the killer or were you just like, nah, <laughs> he didn't do it. I, it's weird because it felt like felt like he did. It, it it did it did it felt like they caught him. Yeah, and it so. was it, the thing that actually brought it kind of full not full circle, but I think the thing that cemented the idea that Foggy was it Foggy or Foley uh, Foley. Foley that Foley, Foley might have killed or was the WSB mm-hmm. was the testimony from his son. Right. Which I thought was really well done, too, because it was just like, hey, the fallout from everyone thinking my my father is this mass murderer. Mm-hmm. You can see the son start to have doubt about his own dad. Right. And I think that was the part that, like, pulled it in because he was like, yo, my, is my dad a monster? You could, like, see him. Like, is my dad yeah. a monster? Right. Like, my dad is a monster. And I didn't even know he was a monster. So it, like gave this interest and it's also one of those weird plays on your expectations too because dude was like a grizzled looking dude he kind of had a little bit of Willem Dafoe in him yeah kind of kind of kind of look to him the way Definitely he looks like he, he looked like I mean? he, he looked like Willem Dafoe like, in uh uh Boondock Saints yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like he had, he had that he had that look to him yeah, so it's like it's that reason why, like when clean cut killers, you, you don't suspect them. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean. You have that, like, oh, well, he was a good looking kid. He he wouldn't have did that thing. Da, 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 right, da. right. Um, 
So it definitely played into a lot of the expectations you had for what you think a mass murderer may look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it was interesting because like, uh, you know, you're, you're taking note of the time when you're watching the movie, you're like, there's too much movie left Yeah, for, for, this, this, to to, for this to have been him. Yeah. But in that moment, you're just like, shit, they might've actually got this dude. Now let's see how they're going to try to wrap up the rest of it. So yeah. it was, it was, it was really interesting to, to, to poke at that as a, as a conceptual thing of, you know, like, Hmm, I wonder what that means for everybody involved. Cause now society has also felt like they got this dude dead. Yeah. You know? 100%. So yeah, it, it was, it was a really good moment to be able to pull. That. I was just really also just taken aback at how quickly they killed his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, yo, that was the quickest trial and execution I've ever seen in my life. Like, goddamn. For real. Yeah, they did that real yeah. quick. They're like, get him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah, he did it. He did everything. He mm-hmm. killed everybody. Mm-hmm. He killed, but he also, killed everyone in history. Gotta gotta get him out quick. <laughs> but it's weird though, too, because think about that too. Like there's been uh, there's been these conversations uh throughout the movie too about how WSB has been using the system against the expectation. Right. And this is one of those moments where that also comes into play too, as a concept and as a thought process. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yep. Cut to uh, the uh, medical te- technician by the name of Da Long. The police came in <laughs> to do a DNA test uh, immediately on the semen sample. And it turned out that it was the same as the WSB, also known as James Foley for this point in time. Danvers tells them that they aren't sure potentially Foley went to a fertility clinic. Hank says that three days after his dad's execution, they realized that he was innocent and they were going to put something out in the paper the next day. But the 9-11 tragedy happened. That the, shit killed me. Right? That but, thing killed me. That that was where it, it like destroyed my heart. I was like, That oh. point killed me. And it was not because of the actual 9-11 tragedy. Right. But it was because of how smart yeah. that is as a plot device. 100%. Fucking brilliant to be like, yo, this fertility was a... Fertility clinics. The, the fertility clinic part was super smart. But then the, for them to use actual history... Yes. To 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 bridge that gap to be like this is a thing that could have happened. Yep, this is the version that you should have happened if this huge tragedy didn't happen in the actual world. And so it, good. It, it, what also makes this really good is the fact that like like oh something like this got bumped pages down. Yeah. To where, of course, you haven't heard of this. Of course, you you've never heard of this this killer because this was bumped down in multiple in different types of newspapers to where it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, this movie does the best job for suspension of disbelief. This mm-hmm. movie makes you believe almost every. This movie makes you feel like you are watching smut. Yeah, like. Yep. Jeez, this movie is done so very well. Yep. The article of his dad was bumped to page six instead. Editor of the Poughkeepsie Gazette, Erwin Gereford, that's a fun one, Gereford, <laughs> tells them that any other day this news would have blew the reports out of the water. He uses the title, quote, serial killer kills cop using justice system, end quote. What a title. 
He <laughs> lets them he uh lets them know that the that 9/11 happened and nobody gave a shit about anything else. Irvin considers to considers it to be the crime of the century and nobody that nobody heard of. Felton mm-hmm. states that the that people's guards go up when they hear about a serial killer, but when they hear that they are targeting only sex workers, people who weren't in that line of work, their guard begins to go down. He created this Water Street butcher persona to detour people's fears about this unknown killer, which allowed him to continue to have a full buffet of choosing his victims. Mm. <laughs> That's Man. when it flipped for me. Man, that's when the that's when the whole movie flipped because it went like this is going to sound really gross and terrible. (laughs) I mean, besides the fact that I have not like condemned this dude throughout half of the damn uh, uh, show tonight. (laughs) Um, But it is one of those things where it's like you kind of have to give dude props. Yeah, which feels terrible and gross. Right. But you have to, like, give a person their weird due to be like, you're a bad motherfucker. I can't be (laughs) mad. Like, I can be mad at whatever happened because it's all terrible. Sure. But, like, you G'd a whole bunch of people over and over and over again. Right. To the point that you got somebody else killed for the murders that you did. (laughs) Like, because think about about the, 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 the levels of you know, crappy, unreasonable crimes that we see committed where you're just like, how the fuck did they not kill, catch this person? Right. This is the complete opposite of that, where they're just like, like this dude is a genius. He's a, he's a, he's a madman, but he's a genius. Bonafide. 100%. Like it's, it's crazy the way that this was just all meticulously thought out. Like this, this was, like parasite on steroids, like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. right, it, exactly. It, it was so meticulous. It was a plan from start to finish, and that is how bananas this guy is because he had a purpose, and his purpose was to get his fix, yep. and, it, and nothing was going to stop him from getting his fix. Cut back to the POV of whoever the fuck this person is at this point, driving in a cop car with the camera facing towards the back of the cruiser. Um, I'm going to stop right here for a moment, folks, to let you know that this part is quite intense. This is probably one of the most intense moments of this movie. If you want to stop here, you are fine to do so. Uh, If you have been with us this far, Shit, you may as well just keep listening anyway. Yeah, you but you are. Yeah, you're in no for doubt. the ride. You, yeah, you're <laughs> um, but this and we just, didn't say half the stuff that we actually saw. We didn't yeah, even go true. into the yeah, details. We didn't go into detail. Um, but just note that this part is intense, and we will probably have to go into details to explain how intense this scene actually is. He pulls up to a woman and asks her about her car trouble. She tells him that her car just died and that she has been stuck out here for over an hour. He mentions that she shouldn't be alone with the WSB on the loose. She tells him that she thought he only attacked sex workers and tries to reassure her by letting her know that there is a gas station a mile down the road where she'll be safe. He tells her that he will drop her 
uh, he would drop her off there so she doesn't have to be alone. He tells this woman to get in the back of his cruiser because he has stuff in the front seat. She jumps in the back and jokes about being arrested. She tells him that she has uh, that she has had such a long day, but he ignores her. She notices that he passed up a gas station exit and mentions it to, and she mentions it to him, but he continues going. He tells her that I guess it was that exit and then ask her a question. While she is asking for him to turn around, he ignores it and asks why did she call him an officer? She is confused <laughs> by this question, and he reiterates the question yet again. He shares with her that he is not a cop. But before this, uh, she says, I called you an officer because cops like to be called that. And he says, yeah, you're right. Cops do like to be called that, but I am not a cop. He then proceeds to uh, to drive, and she starts to shudder a little bit, and she slightly chuckles and says, that's not funny. And then he continues driving, and he says, you're right, it's not funny, which is why I'm not joking. Hmm. <laughs> All of the life leaves her face, and she tells him that she doesn't understand what he's talking about. If he's not an officer, who is he? He simply says, quote, I'm a butcher, end quote, and continues driving. Before we even talk, let's finish it. Let's finish this out and then we'll jump into it. He simply, she tells him that wasn't funny either while starting to whimper. And she just continues about her. Um, and he just continues um, telling her, you shouldn't assume something. Assuming something is what got you in this mess in the first place. Oh. She asks, where are they going? And he tells her that she will see. And she asks for him to not hurt her. Um, and he says that he will he will make her a deal. And the deal is, and this is where it gets a little intense, guys. I will not kill you if you allow me to rape you. <clears throat> this is this one. This is tough. Mm. She agrees. But he tells her that he doesn't believe her. And actually, he laughs at this when he says, I don't believe you. Then tells her that he doesn't think that she, uh, she would allow him to do such a heinous act while she's alive. And he says to her, quote, to be in all honesty, what I'm going to do to you, I, we both would want you to be dead. She starts to scream no. And tries to get out of the car, but instead he gets out of the car and sits the camera on the hood. All you can hear are her screams while he goes over to a bush to use the bathroom. Mm. Fuck, dude. Ugh. And this, the, and the, uh, this scene. Uh, and the thing is, throughout the rest, throughout the movie, a a a continuous through line. Is that he is raping these women after yeah. they have been killed? Yeah. So it's like you know, once he has said that part, <sighs> what's about to happen? One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Like it's my madness. heart dropped for this woman when he said, "I'm a butcher." The butcher part. Oh my fucking like, yo! That that line. Yo. Was enough to send chills down anyone's spine. Yep. When he specifically said, 
you shouldn't be walk, walking around here with the Water Street Butcher loose. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It reminds and, me of the Summer of Sam movie when one of the characters said that to another character, basically, and it wound up being him. Yeah. And it, yep. it's it's absolutely wild. And, like, that whole thing, like, that whole sequence, and that, to tell you guys, like, that is long. Like, that is, like, yeah. a five-minute one-shot yep. of of this whole thing. And it is... It is something to experience for sure, because yep. it, it like you have so many emotions running through you at that point in time where you're just like, whoa. And you don't see you don't see him at all, really, in that. No, shot. no, it's like her in the back of a, of a of a car and it has that police kind of grading. Yeah, that keeps the criminals in the back of the car so they can't, you know, interact with the, the person in the front. Right. It is. It is a very well shot scene. One hundred percent. And yep. like she tries to get out of the car and he even tell like he laughs at that. And he's like, what you really think I would put handles on the door? <laughs> <laughs> and like when he says the, the portion of the part where he was just like assuming is what got you into this mess in the first place. It's kind of like he's teaching a lesson mm-hmm. where you're, you're just like, you shouldn't have assumed you shouldn't have assumed I was a cop. You shouldn't yep. assume any of this. You should be more careful is initially what he was saying. But yep. you weren't careful. Therefore, I won. Oh, fuck, man. This dude. Crazy. This dude. We cut to the woman being tied up and, and mouth taped. By the way, guys, this is still the tense part. <laughs> the camera is facing uh, the camera. It's closely faced to the woman's face that was picked up before. Now, mind you, her mouth is taped, but it's like a clear duct tape. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it's 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 clear tape. It's like it's like packaging tape. Yep. And the WSB comes into the room on all floors, all fours, with two masks on his face, one on the top portion of his head, and one actually covering his face. He's crawling with his head face down to make it seem like his face is looking up. And the only way I can explain this is Mm. if you guys have ever seen Return to the Wizard of Oz, or Return to Oz, Mm. uh, and it's like those rollerblading dudes, Mm. that's what this guy looks like. (laughs) Like, super freaky with the mask on his head to make it look like his head is... Like his looks like his neck is broken in a very unnatural way. He is crawling slowly towards her and she is trying to let out a scream, but she can't since her mouth is taped. So nothing comes out at all. He comes up behind her and opens his hand, Freddy Krueger like, with two specific needles on two of his fingers, his middle finger and his index finger. Then he proceeds to stick it inside of her neck. Slow. Very slow. Slow. And that was the thing that threw me way the fuck off when I first saw it. I was like, and also really interesting too, was I had seen an image of that scene. On a lot of people have. Like, it's a really weird, like, thing to have, like, picked up randomly. It's like the meme 
constantly feeds you things and sometimes yeah. you don't know where it's from. And then seeing what that movie, like where the scene <laughs> came from. Cause no one, cause no one ever shows the stab in that, in that actual frame. No, they always show the crawl. They show the crawl. They show the crawl. And, and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, it's the person tied up in this weirdo was crawling. And then you're just like, Oh shit. Yeah. It's, it's very slow. violent. Low. It's a very slow methodical death. 100%. And madness. The thing is with this particular scene, since she is wearing clear tape, you see the blood filling up mm-hmm. and you see it kind of suffocating her. Yep. And it's, it's so horrendous to watch. And like my, my boy, David, I, I told him, I was like, you probably backed out at a good time because <laughs> the climax didn't even happen yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's wild on this particular scene. And you can tell like a lot of the budget was just like, yo, we need it for this part. We need it. And it it's, it's a very, very, very well done scene. And initially people always ask me, like I, I get this question all the time. Where it's just like, hey, Prince, have you heard of the Poughkeepsie tapes? Yeah, 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 I've heard of the Poughkeepsie tapes. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have seen them. And people always ask me, is it really as crazy as what people say? <laughs> the first thing I do is send them this gif. Oh, yeah. The first thing I do is send them this gif. And not the part where he stabs her, but no. the part where he's crawling. Yeah. And then he comes up behind her. Yeah. And then you see the needles and you know, okay, it's about to go down. <laughs> the, the the bugged out thing about this also is when you ask most people about what their scariest, most fucked up movie is that they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The one that everyone talks about is Human Centipede. A lot of people do. A lot. Like that's most people's go to. Yeah. This is so far and beyond worse than the Human Centipede movie? 100%. Like, so far, and be, this makes Human Centipede look like fucking Sesame Street <laughs> in comparison to what you're getting in the Poughkeepsie tapes versus what you're getting in uh, Human Centipede. Did you do, Did you guys already do Human Centipede already? No, the the, the boys both copped out on they that They tapped one. on that too? They oh, tapped on that. If you, if you want to do Human Centipede, I will rewatch Human Centipede and we can do it again. Flames. But, any, right. but anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they tapped out on that. They were like, yeah, no, I can't do him, Human Centipede again. I was like, man, all three, they're not that bad. They're but not bad at all. They're like kind of corny. They're <laughs> anyway. really corny. They they very they turned very comedic. Um, yeah. Like especially anyway. three, the final sequence. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. that movie's was- hilarious. <laughs> uh, cut to Felton talking about this killer, knowing how to play the profile and being able to to change his identity seamlessly he starts Mm. reading a few profiles bear with me on this one guys white male age 18 through 25 then another 20 25 to 35 black male 25 to 30 disorganized organized serial killer most likely uh, his first time killing first killing definitely not the not his first time killing uh, lives alone in a messy house his home will be clean and kept a sadist sadistic sadist has most likely been institutionalized for a good portion of his life highly functional may have limited faculties highly intelligent 
uh, are uh, faculties, uh, highly intelligent, probably highly educated, most likely never finished high school, most likely works in law enforcement, probably lives off some sort of disability, most likely cannot hold a job, knows prof- profiling and may be employed as an FBI profiler. Those were all the things that this man was classified as when they found him profiled. That was as many times as his profile changed. Mm-hmm. Part seven. It was brilliant. And, the, and that part was brilliantly acted, too. It was fantastic. It was cut, it was cut really well. The Absolutely super phenomenal. Cool. And, and Felton, uh, Agent Felton did a fantastic job on that whole little spectrum there where it was just, mm-hmm. it was so beautifully done. So, so, so beautifully done. Um, part seven found coming to the end, folks. Danvers went back to the map that the killer sent him. It was made online using MapQuest. God, you guys remember that? <laughs> that, that? That part killed me. I was like, oh no, MapQuest. MapQuest. Is that still around? Yeah. I would assume, I would hope they're still around. I would hope they have some sort of map app out. But probably not. Uh, and they got, I remember when my mom used to get MapQuest like instructions, but she only loved the turn by turn instructions. Mm-hmm. It was, oh my gosh, it was so funny. <laughs> and she would print them out. Oh God. Oh, the, the early 2000s. What a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they got the record from the company and they found one download that with those exact locations. Next up to this badass motherfucker, Captain Harvey Scruggs. This dude is badass as fuck. He's the SWAT dude. And he led the assault on the house. And he was like, I brought the whole brigade on this. He said it just like this. I brought the whole brigade on this motherfucker. (laughs) We had tanks. Or no, not tanks. He didn't say tanks. He said we had helicopters. We had SWAT teams with fully um, assault rifles. Crazy. Fully automatic rifles. It's absolutely the same. We cut to the archive footage of the SWAT team running inside the house, and it seems to be quite cleaned out. Back with Leonard and talks about how they f- didn't find him at first, they just found the house. And that they didn't find it, he gave it to them. And they weren't able to find one fingerprint in the household. In the footage, they see a bit of blood on the wall, and th- then they point uh, the camera down to all the boxes of the tapes that, uh, that they found in the earlier set of the movie. Someone finds uh, finds something and calls them over to the box. They open the box up and they find Cheryl Dempsey in the box with the mask on her face and the dress that he told her to put on alive. Mm. The medic takes her out of the box and we cut to Victoria, her mom, talking about how she how she should give up hope and move on from her daughter. Initially, people were telling her to do this. The cops tell her that they found her daughter, and she thought they were talking about her body. Cut to a physician, Dr. Arnold Montufar, and uh, he tells the crew that he was ne- he's never seen someone in this kind of torture state before. Sure was burnt, cut, five teeth removed with either pliers or a hammer, multiple broken bones, and extremely malnourished. Her organs were in horrible shape because of all of this. And by the way, folks, I forgot to mention this, but she was found uh, three years after, um, so 2000 and close to when this was when this was uh, initially supposed to be quote unquote filmed. But it was like 2005 
is mm-hmm. when she was found. Yep. Remember, guys, she was taken in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> she was gone for th- over 13 years. That is fucking horrible. Madness. Damn. He also he also mentions I even put here um, how can anyone uh, even want to live after this much torture and damage done to your body, and mm-hmm. Koss said it best on his ep- on his first episode that he was on where it's something so fascinating about the human body being destroyed. Yep, and it's it's that this is it right here. He also mentions that there were terrible sexual torture that was performed on Cheryl. One last shot of Cheryl uh, before moving on to psychologist Aretha Creeley, saying that her injuries seemed to be getting worse instead of better. She mentions that pain, brutal pain, and uh, was so much part of her life that Cheryl didn't know how to live without it. She would torture herself when nobody was looking. Cut to Cheryl's friend, Jane Gerber, um, saying that it was strange seeing her friend after all of these all of this time. She went she went from college to two little girls of her own, and it was hard for uh, uh for her to see the woman that she loved taken away and coming back um and coming back to a woman that she that she is now. In front of the Dempsey's house, text appears, quote, after months of lobbying the Dempsey's, we got an interview with their daughter, Cheryl. Sitting with Cheryl, and she whispers that she doesn't know what they want want her to say. Someone mentions to talk about how she feels to uh, to be back home. She tells uh, she tells them that she doesn't know, and she uh, asks them again, "What does she want them? What does she want her to say? Or what do they want want her to say?" Remember, guys, when she says earlier, when he asks her a question, and she says, "Yes, I don't know. Yes, I don't know." So this initially is that instilling of her, that mindset. Because this doesn't seem like fear. This just mm-hmm. seems like I truly, genuinely, I I can't speak up because I, I, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't to. know how anymore. Right. Yeah, it's like I literally don't know how. And also to... to, to, to play the scene out and to show the scene and for the for the listeners at home yeah it's is she's in this very demure not i wouldn't even call it school girl school girl outfit but it's like house marm yeah yeah kind of outfit right where you know you can tell that uh, from the initial videos that they showed of her early on in her life she had this vibrant, beautiful smile, mm-hmm. like really nice skin. Like she was full of life in the beginnings of this movie. Yep. And then when she's in this scene. She looks like an entirely you, different person. She looks like an entirely different person. You can see her teeth aren't okay. Like things are just physically wrong with her yeah. body. And the the way that she answers these questions is in this way that is like if you've ever been to a pound yeah. and you've seen a dog or an animal that you've, you, you, you raise your voice to and it cowers and doesn't know what to do, it's that, is that in a human body. Yeah. It's, it's, it, was, it was a remarkable scene. Yeah, 100%. And it's, yeah. it's absolutely heartbreaking on how you, you see this classification of this woman and it's, 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 it's something to see. It definitely is. 
He then tells her that it had to be nice for, uh, to see her mom after all these years. She tells them, yeah, and then changes her answers to maybe. I don't know. What do you want me to say? <sighs> man. They ask her what was the man like that she lived with all these years. She tells them that she doesn't, she doesn't know and uh, tells them that she doesn't want to do this anymore. They ask her why, and I even put here, because she fucking lived through this for so many years. Come on. <laughs> Damn. I know you're, like, intrigued and shit, but come the fuck on. <laughs> Have some fucking sensibility. And, or sensitivity. That's better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she says, uh, she says with tears pouring from her eyes, because I don't know what you want me to say. <clears throat> She goes to scratch her head, and then we notice that her hand is also severed. She tells her, she tells her, um, excuse me, he tells her she could say whatever she wants. She tells them that he, uh, she tells them that he loved her. She tells them that nobody lets her say it, but it's true. She continues, he didn't mean to leave her, leave me, and somebody, and someday he will come back for me. And he uh, and he is going to take me away. The screen pauses on Cheryl and a message appears. Quote, two weeks after this interview, Cheryl Dempsey took her own life. In the note she left behind, she declared her, undi- her undying love for her, quote, master, end quote. Cut to the cemetery of the desecration of the, of the gravesite of Cheryl Dempsey. They are linking it to the WSB. We cut to images of the site, and there is a tape that was also left behind in the grave. Littert says that he feels that he moved somewhere else. Um, but uh, he, he doubts that he is... Uh, that he has stopped killing, and in some town out there, the disappearing and murder rates are rising, and he is reasonable, uh, and he is uh, reasonable for it. Or excuse me, he is responsible for it. Cut to Simon, and and uh, mentions that what he finds interesting is that the tapes are marked sequentially, but there are twenty seven tapes that are missing. <sighs> He mentions yeah. that he wonders what was on these tapes, and he wonders. Mm. <laughs> I know, right? And he wonders the reasons why he didn't choose to leave these tapes behind. Lastly, with Leonard, he mentions that he, uh, he will be watching. Uh, he will, excuse me. Lastly, with Leonard, he mentions that he will be watching that if this documentary is ever made or put into theaters, he won't be able to help himself at all, and he will try to watch this movie as much as he can. We get uh, some last glimpses of Cheryl Dempsey, and the film is then dedicated to her. Then, credits. But, there's actually an ending credit scene. Wait, before we hit that. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the 27 tapes real fast? Oh, yeah. 100%. Because I, this, and this is, the, this is again, the, like, humans are really weird and fucked up. Mm-hmm. Because I want to see those 27 tapes <laughs> so bad. I want to see them. Oh, I want to see the 27. But here's the, here's the, here's the dope part, too, right? From a, excuse me, from a. Uh, movie production standpoint mm-hmm. from a writing standpoint. Also, I did a little bit of research while you were, while we were having the discussion and they did this whole movie in 15 days. They did. Yeah. Which is madness. Absolutely. Insanity. Madness. But the thing that bugs me out about this as a plot device 
and is genius as fuck is because <laughs> one, it totally leaves an open space. It's true for a new movie around those 27 tapes. That is definitely true, which I know they're not going to do because he's already done all these different movies now and he's done TV and all this other stuff. And it doesn't right. like, it doesn't make sense to go back now. Right. Like, and, and I just don't, I just don't think in the world that we live in, which is interesting to say, cause it's less than 20 years from 20 years ago. Yeah. That we have changed so much as a society that this is a thing that you just can't make anymore. Yeah. 100%. Um, but understanding that those 27 tapes are missing in this fictional world. Yeah. Is such a mind fuck to <laughs> All the people who are just like, because the do, because the thing about WSB is like, he doesn't leave loose ends. It's true. He doesn't leave loose ends, and that's the kind of the blessing and the curse of what has happened in this whole story. Yeah. It's like, fam does not leave loose ends. <laughs> so, like, for this to be a thing where those are somewhere, yeah. And then you have that pushed up against the conversation from the, the 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 cop. That's like, if they show this video somewhere, he's going to be looking for it. And in the basically, it's the whole like it's like thriller. Yeah. It, when when Michael when Michael Jackson and his girlfriend are in the theater. Yeah. And it's Maybe like everyone's looking. <laughs> yeah. Are you scared? Yeah. But it's like every like wherever this video was supposed to be shown. He could be the person sitting next to you in the theater. Ah, oh, what a thought! Right, right, Ugh. right. Like that's the thing that that, that blows your mind what from the, just the. It's just like, yo, he could be the cat sitting next to you who's like, yo, let me get up to go to the bathroom. Excuse me, Ooh. pardon me. Ooh. Can I get past you real quick? Can I sit in this seat? Oh God! Seriously. Damn! Think about that shit. Seriously, it's brilliant, brilliant. Ugh. Brilliant. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Brilliant. So it's, so it's, it, it's interesting because uh, I know a lot of people wonder. Um, actually, let me let me get to this, this last little bit yep. and then I'll, I'll talk yep. about that. Um, yep. But there's one more scene. You hear a woman panting for her life and a man saying, quote, I'll make you a deal. I won't kill you as long as you don't blink. End quote. She continues panting while looking in the camera faster and faster, trying her absolute hardest to not blink. Right before she's about to blink, the camera cuts off. <laughs> Which, again, is it's bananas. oh man, it's so bananas because it is literally the it's it's like if you were to have taken this scene mm-hmm. and this was the impetus or the foundation for every Saw movie to come afterwards, yeah. Because it is that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, you know, uh, uh, Jigsaw never kills anyone in any of the Saw movies. They kill themselves. Right. But but this is the, like, ultimate catch-22. Yeah, 100%. And it's so well done because of the way that shit is shot. 100%. And because it's at the end of the movie and you're just like, what the fuck? You're just like, what? (laughs) What? What is happening? And in the credits, they give a shout out to Ted Bundy, which was, which was I know that was too. that was mad. I, I was, was like, like, "What? Wow, what?" <laughs> they just like give him a credit. I was like, "What is happening?" 
anyway. That was wild. 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 But yeah, so uh, for those of you guys wondering, like, okay, what is this guy's doing? Because Kaj has mentioned that he is uh, doing TV and movies and all this other stuff. Uh, so after the Pepsi tapes, he, he did create Quarantine literally a year mm-hmm. after. But he also was a part of uh, the movie Devil, which was the movie by M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. And he also directed As Above, So Below, which is also not a bad um, found footage movie about the Paris Catacombs. Um, and then he, his last movie that he directed was called No Escape in 2015, which was that movie with uh, Owen Wilson. Oh, uh, uh, okay. But uh, his thing that he's doing now is a show that you can watch on Netflix called Waco. And Waco is nuts. <laughs> Hmm. Waco is in super interesting, but it's both him and his brother kind of working on that show together. Um, but another thing that a lot of people don't know is that John Eric Dowdle is actually married to the woman who played Cheryl Dempsey. What? They were married since 2005. Oh, shit. Yeah. Her name Yo. is Stacy Chabosky, and she's in a number of different things. Um, wow. Stacy Chabosky was in uh, Quarantine as well. She was one of the women who got sick and needed to be carried out. Uh, she was also in Perks of Being a Wallflower, which she also has uh, history with her brother, Stephen Chabosky, who made an incredible book that came out last year called Imaginary Friend. <laughs> He also is the creator of The Perks of Being a Wallflower. <laughs> so Madness. This is all full circle, but for those of you guys who are thinking like, okay, is this movie real? Is this movie fake or whatever? It's fake. Don't worry. This movie is just a very well done found footage movie. So well done. It is very, very well done, um, but it is not real. But let us know. Over on Twitter, at GoodnightLife, that is night with a K, uh, if you were even able to get through this movie. <laughs> That's all I want to know. Were you able to get through it? Because uh, if you weren't, it, it's nothing wrong with that. More power to both Kai and I and Freddie. Freddie watched it. Just for you, you guys <laughs> thinking that he bitched out. He didn't. He watched it. David bitched out. <laughs> <laughs> we love you david we love you but no for sure definitely let us know but this was the end of our i found you month also known as our found footage month for uh what month is this this is may (laughs) (laughs) for for um uh no this is for this is for june god dang it uh, but yeah, this the, let us know what you know. This is me. God damn it, uh, my my <laughs> mind, my mind right now. All all types of, of of everything. What are what are months? Yeah, seriously, this goddamn quarantine man is killing me, Smalls. <laughs> but <laughs> next month we are starting Dead in the Sun month. That's right, everybody. We are starting our month of just summer horror. That's right. Summer Horror. Mm. Our first film that we are starting with, ladies and gentlemen, is Summer of 84. That is right. Summer of 84, one of my favorite films as a summer horror film. One of my favorite horror films, favorite summer-based horror films of all time. 
Oh wait, are you are you are you going to share all the movies yet, or are you going to kind of spread not them yet. out? And sh- not yet. Not We're yet. Spreading okay. them out. Okay, I'll, okay, tell, okay, okay. I'll tell you what they are after this. You tell, tell me let, afterward. Let's see if you want to jump on some of these. <laughs> because there's because the first one I thought of, which I'm not going to say, is the one that I love amazingly all over the place. But then also there's a very campy one that I that I love too to death because uh, it's just like it's a, it's a very good Eli Roth movie. I, I was about to say, I think I know what you're already talking you about. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I you think I already about. know what you're talking about. Uh, that one's not on the list, so I'm just going to say it. Cabin Fever. <laughs> yes! So good. So good. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And on the other end of the webs here, we got my boy, Ka motherfucking Adams. Thank you <laughs> once again, you were absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for killing it once again and being a part of the show. Uh, dude, constantly I'm extending this invitation to you anytime. I literally mean anytime you want to be on the show, you are always invited because you are Fair. a fantastic guest. <laughs> uh, you should see my face right now. We are not on cams right now looking <laughs> at each other, have this conversation. But seriously, this shit is my jam. Like... <laughs> As much as I love video games, I probably love fucked up horror movies way more than video games. (laughs) And no no doubt, we have just talked about some of the rawest shit in any movie ever on the planet. And right after this, I'm going to try to get my wife to go to sleep so I can look at more shit. There you go. (laughs) Because she will not let me look at this while we look at TV together. And now I have to go look up that horror house. I got to go look oh, up yeah, some you other shit. Look that up. <laughs> oh my god! This it, and thank you, thank you for one. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. Like, the 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 breadth and depth of of the way you kind of tackle these movies is so fantastic. Um, thank you. And I it really it. means a bunch for you to bring me on to, for stuff like this. And for you to feed me good shit and terrible shit to watch. <laughs> uh, I don't have much. I don't have many people who who I can have that conversation with and not feel like they want to uh, call CPS on me. I, um, I feel you. So it's nice to be able to to commiserate around some of these wonderful and absolutely horrifying, terrible things. Oh, yeah. Our uh, ghoulish so. nights. Love it. And and by all means, uh, before I finish off the last bit of spiel, where could people find you on a line, my friend? Oh man, this makes me want to do some horror, more horror shit. Uh, but <laughs> uh, you can find my video game podcast, uh, the Spawn of Me podcast, the premier podcast, spotlighting people of color in the video game industry on all podcast platforms. We're on YouTube, Instagram at Spawn of Me Podcast. Um, you can hit me up. Let me know how I did on the show at Kajakins, K A H J A H K I N S on Twitter. And at Spawn on Me uh, is the other place that you can find our work. We have a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline and we'd love to invite you all of you to come rock with us as well uh, when we do our show live on Twitch every Thursday, 7 p.m. PST at twitch.tv slash spawn on me. And they are fucking dope. Like legit, the professionalism from this man is absolutely incredible. So Thank you. I appreciate that and all the effort that you put and the hard work that you put in those shows. Like, man, top tier Fucking verify this man, Twitter. <laughs> Yo, for real, for real. Verify me, goddammit. Verify this man. <laughs> He's verified on Twitch. 
So like he's like he's the real deal. They're like we're not even playing. Our Hook efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's night with a K. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight. <laughs>